Hello everyone, welcome to NFL Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NFL. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, Perry Aston and Christian McGowan. Guys, say hello. What's going on, guys? Hope you're having a great day. And on this episode, we are going to just be dedicating this strictly to our mock drafts, our second rendition of our mock drafts. And before we get into that, we want to let you guys know that we know free agency is going on. We're going to have a podcast on that next time, but... There's still some big-name free agents, such as Ndamukong Su, who haven't signed yet, so I want to hold off on that a little bit. But before we get into this episode, just want to remind you guys that you can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud and also subscribe to our podcast on the Apple iTunes podcast app. Also remember to follow us on Twitter, at NFL Unwrapped, and remember to turn on notifications for our tweets. By doing so, you will be the first ones to know of all the breaking news we are on top of that pretty much every story we tweeted out our twitter has been absolutely fire these last two weeks uh i've been handling a lot of it when i it's pretty great because with christian living in louisiana and me here in la and the fact that our work schedules are completely different i'm getting off work when he's starting work a lot of the time probably about half the week if not more so we're even talking when i'm getting off and he's waking up it's kind of a routine for us but it gives it to a point where everybody has – it's rather – everyone's got a shift. It's me um, when I'm up. It's like, our, it's like a relay race. We each pass the baton at one part of the day. So for everyone listening, if you follow Schefter, Rappaport, all those guys, go unfollow them and just follow us because we'll give you everything. And honest to God, we beat them sometimes. On Twitter, we will get to you we before do. other NFL pages will. So honest to God, one follower – You'll have a great ratio. Yeah, definitely. And one more thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, if you listen to us on the Apple Podcast app, please go and you know subscribe, of course. But please go rate our podcast if you love us here on Unwrapped. Give us a five star if you love it. If you hate us, give us a one star. But or just be or don't. Just, just, be, don't, just don't just, leave a uh, review. <laughs> you know, whatever you'd like. We just would very much appreciate those reviews. Uh, we're trying to get a little more analytics on there and you know take this podcast to another level on at least with Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud is great for us. We're able to track a lot of things, but Apple's very quickly moving, and it'd be awesome if you guys can share some of your thoughts about the pod on there. So Yeah, so before we get into the podcast, just also remember our personal Twitter pages, so you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMRPK, follow Perry on Twitter at Perry Aston, and Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. So and that, please, please follow Corbin. He needs, he needs followers. Corbin he has like six. Follows. Help him out. I, I go on Twitter, but it's just it. it's just on our NFL Unwrapped page. I don't care about my personal one. But well, I mean, once, hey, in, a, hey, once he, in a while, I'll tweet my take on something. He's, been, so. he's pretty big on Facebook, but with Facebook plummeting down the drain right now, <laughs> he might have to switch to Twitter completely. So everybody, hashtag help Corbin. And I don't even use I don't even use Facebook. I don't get in his DMs, ladies. Media, so. Get in his DMs. Yeah. All right. So All let's right. jump right into the mock draft 2.0. Uh, the first one was a little misguided, and we kind of were taking shots in the dark because, you know, a lot of free free agencies weren't going to shake out yet, and that really changes everything. And just like Corbin said, we're not going to go too deep into any of the free agency signings, but as this mock draft moves along, we will be mentioning some of the signings, especially the major ones, in justifying why we made that specific pick for each team. So you will be hearing a lot of news that maybe you haven't even heard yet and hearing for the first time. If not, you won't be hearing too much of our opinion, but it definitely will be factoring into why we made each pick for each team. So let's uh, let's start with one. Um, how do you guys want to do it this time? You want to go pick by pick, or do you guys want to Yeah, go? let's do pick by let's pick again. Pick so by we'll pick. do all three of our picks for each pick. So yeah, but 
if there's no changes, we're not going to bore y'all with the same excuse of why we put that person last time over this time. I'll the just quickly, quickly remind them why, but of don't course. have to go into a ton so of let's, detail. So uh, let's start with number one, the Browns. Just They've had such a crazy offseason right now, and it's changed so much. But at the same time, having the first and the fourth pick is such an amazing position for them to be in. And they've already added, they've already added so much talent on that roster there's no, there's not as many gaping holes now. It's filling in more talent, and it seems like the Browns are in a position to at least win some games and have a decently bright future. I know he Jackson, uh, Jackson is a very good coach, and he was public about how they've started rookies and how they've been trying to go through a you know quote process in a sense the last two years, and it just hasn't worked. And now they have you know a new GM in town. And what he did was Pat Mahomes. That was him on the Chiefs. He let him sit behind Alex Smith for the year. They made that move, and now Patrick Mahomes is taking over. It seems like he's going to do the same thing with whoever they pick at quarterback. With rather the one or the fourth pick, it seems inevitable at this point. Regardless of uh, Tyrod Taylor, that will be the, probably the first signing that we bring up just very shortly. Um, during the press conference, they were clear that he's the starter this year. But that doesn't change the fact that for me, I'll start with my number one overall pick for the Browns. You're on the clock, Cleveland. Uh, Sam Darnold for me from USC quarterback, that's who's going to be number one for me. And that hasn't changed from my initial mock draft. I still think he's got the most talent out of any quarterback coming in. And although he still has improvements needed, Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter for this year. And I like the fact that they can groom him for at least a year. So what do you guys have for number one? Okay, so I'll go next. For number one, for me, on my last last mock draft, I had Sam Darnold going number one as well, but I've switched it up just with how Saquon Barkley has just completely separated himself from everyone else. The impact that he can create for whatever team he's on. The Browns, they need a quarterback, yes, but regardless of whatever quarterback they choose, they want to ideally rely a little bit more on the running game while that quarterback is young. Saquon Barkley is someone, young running backs, you can rely on them a lot more than young quarterbacks for the most part. And Saquon Barkley, just his ability to do everything out of the backfield, whether it's catching, running the football, run between the tackles, run outside the tackles and beat you with your speed, beat you with his speed. It's something that you just haven't seen that, Really, within the past at least ten years. Now, I think does the, the signing with Carlos Hyde to the Browns change that? Because it did for me, looking at Carlos Hyde me. and Duke Johnson. One other thing that I thought about that was really interesting is that you look at their GM John Dorsey and the quarterbacks that he has brought onto his team in the past. Obviously, with Tyrod Taylor right now, but also with Alex Smith back when he was the GM for the Chiefs. Those are two very risk-averse quarterbacks. They don't make too many bad decisions because they just don't put themselves in that position. Sam Darnold in college, he led the nation in turnovers. So that's something that, even if Dorsey hasn't come out and said, I don't like quarterbacks that turn the ball over that much, obviously no one does, but it seems like from his track record, he puts an even higher precedent on not turning the ball over. He was a big part of drafting Patrick Mahomes, who was never known for his accuracy. He was known for his arm strength. So that was was a wild card. They compared him to Brett Favre. I think you compare... You just compare what he can do with Barkley and still being able to get a quarterback at four. The Jets moving up to three definitely puts some more pressure on him because 
before it was, okay, well, if he doesn't pick a quarterback at one, Giants probably do at two, and then Colts are not going to, obviously, right, at three. But now with the Jets back. moving up, he's probably going to end up with the third quarterback taken. Two and three is going to be quarterback. But still, I just think that with how incredible Saquon Barkley looks like he can become, you go with Barkley, and then whoever is at number four, and in my mock draft, the Browns get who ideally I think that they would want, it works out for them. So, Christian, who do you have at number one? Um, I uh, I also have Saquon Barkley like I did last time. I'm glad that I was able to convert Corbin to the <laughs> smart side of the pod. But um, the signing of Carlos Hyde doesn't scare me at all. It actually encourages the fact that they're going to take Saquon Barkley number one, and here's why. Having a two-headed attack with Carlos Hyde and Saquon Barkley will allow Tyrod Taylor to play that efficient game that's allowed him to become a starting quarterback in the NFL. So even if they take a quarterback at four, you still you can get behind Tyrod Taylor for at least this season. If they tank, they're going to be the same Cleveland Browns. They'll have a QB pick they can get next year. I think Saquon Barkley is a transcendent player, and there's no reason there's no reason to hope you get him at four. Get the player who makes a difference at one and let the chips fall where they may at the QB position. I totally hear where you both are coming from, and uh, Saquon Barkley is by far the most talented overall athlete in this entire draft, and the only reason why I go Sam Darnold number one, and I'm so sure about it, one, he didn't throw it his, at the uh, combine, which to me showed the confidence that he has about his where his draft positioning is, 100%, and I know he wanted to be more comfortable throwing with his receivers at his pro day, which is a typical move to do, but uh, it's just the Browns don't have... I know Tyrod Taylor, you guys say, yeah, he's going to be the starter, I think, for the entire year. And I hear you what you're saying, Corbin, about Darnold's accuracy problems. It's well, the, it's, it's not even his accuracy. It's the It's the decision-making. It's, stuff the like that. it's honestly problem, a full – he's not going to see the field very much for the first year. Yeah. I, that's the thing. I think they're going to get him, and it's going to be exactly what they did with Patrick Mahomes. He won't see the field pretty I much at all. And too. at some point in year two, he'll be ready. But the Browns are not in a position to – wait and hope that the quarterback of their liking is going to be there. They thought they got some steel with Deshaun Kaiser where they got him. And I know that like a Brown source of ours said that they were even thinking about moving up and, you know, going for him. But still, it's just not, it's not smart from them. They need to get their guy and they're going to do plenty of research. If that's Josh Allen, if that's Sam Darnold, if that's Baker Mayfield, if that's Josh Rosen, it doesn't matter who that may be. They're going to go after that guy, number one, because a quarterback is a different kind of player. And I know that you guys say Carlos Hyde doesn't scare you, but that's not supposed to scare you. I think Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson with the passing game in the back is sufficient enough to mix around with Tyrod Taylor's athleticism and see what you got because you really have some good receivers on the outside. Now you're not going to really be leaning on the running game as much. I think Jarvis Landry is going to go absolutely off this year. And you still have Josh Gordon, who who even knows what he can do right now. He can be extremely scary next year. So I think the passing game is going to come number one and Tyrod's going to really you know put a put a run for everyone's money saying he should stay and that's the quarterback but you know eventually that's not going to happen this is the Browns they want to win for a while they want this perfect season parade they had last season for the imperfect season to never happen again and I honestly don't think they're going to even be in the top five for the picks next year I think they're going to win enough games to you know I don't think they're going to go past you know 11th or 12th pick but I think they can 
you know, the eighth or ninth pick and win a few games at the Probably very least. And six wins. Yeah, I, I think five wins five, is six, realistic. Yeah. That's where I'm putting them at. And if it's a seven-win season, seven and nine, then not make the playoffs, that's a win in my book because that's, that's a huge that's win. A, that's a complete win, but it's totally possible. Look at the Jaguars. Look what they were able to do. And the Browns have had, po- yeah. the, I think, a more exciting offseason than them. So let's move on to number two, a guy you guys were talking about. I'm not even going to talk much i have number two to the giants saquon barkley i know you guys i know corbin was saying possibly a quarterback but saquon barkley is so so athletically gifted yeah he's there at two, he, and if he's there at two it's just too tantalizing to the giants to not take him and i know they signed jonathan stewart uh and they have you know um darkwa there but i really how do you pass upon saquon barkley for the giants i know that you don't if you're anyone exactly it's this jets trade that i'm not going to speak too much on until we get to the next pick that really okay. forced me to have sam darnold go number one it really i think it really shakes the browns and i know saquon barkley is insane but i see them adding to a defense that's a really talented as well later on so saquon barkley to the giants and as a cowboys fan that kills me inside to say because i can't imagine them having their own version of ezekiel elliott but they'll have their own star running back if he's there what do you guys think for giants number two yeah i have josh rosen going to the giants at number two sam darnold to me when you factor everything in in terms of where he is right now and his potential upside i'd put him at number one and put rosen at two but rosen to me is the most nfl ready quarterback right now and the giants have they're in New York. They have so much pressure on them. They need someone who can win for them right now. He I does think, have a huge personality. Too, yeah, and so. I think by drafting him, they can probably say goodbye to Eli Manning right away, which is probably in the best interest. The person- of the not but the now. personnel in New York says they believe Eli Manning still has another year to two years in his tank, 100%. And I know they that you say, say they have to say that, but you don't give up on Eli Manning. Look how that worked out last year. Okay, they but lost their coach, for- their job. I so think they're going to draft a quarterback, but they're not going to give up on Eli Manning. At least for, okay. the, year. At least for the next year. Eli Manning is going to be their quarterback, barring, barring injury. I think even a year from now, though, if they go with Rosen in a year, I'd take him over Darnold, Allen, anyone else at the quarterback position. Okay. And he's someone who, he still has a really high ceiling. It's not any. It's Definitely. not like saying he's not going to be a great quarterback, and it's just you know that with him you are getting at least a very good quarterback and someone who can step in immediately. The Giants signed the Patriots left tackle, Nate Soldier, so that'll protect Rosen, who isn't really a mobile quarterback. I think it just makes way too much sense for them not to go with Rosen and to go with some other quarterback at that position. So, Christian, who do you have at number two? Unfortunately, Corbin, I have to disagree with you. I'm going to go Sam Darnold for the opposite reason of what you said. So I think Eli Manning is going to be there the whole year. He's going to play quarterback every single game, maybe not week 17. But I think they're in the position where you said he's ready to play right now. Josh Rosen, I don't think they're, they need a quarterback who's ready to play right now. So you take Sam Darnold, who can tone up his game by playing behind Eli Manning. He's, I don't think he assumes he's the play-ready guy that uh, Josh Rosen is, but he, he's not going to get pissed off by not sitting there. So you have a guy who, who you said he's not the player, he's not the play-right-now guy, which is fine. So you can sit that whole year behind Eli Manning. He, I, In my personal opinion, I think he has a higher ceiling than Josh Rosen. So you get the guy who is a little bit sporadic, turns the ball over too much, but you have that year behind a, Even though he might not be a great quarterback next year, he is a great quarterback in general. He's not going to be a quarterback next year. That's the thing. Not, a lot of these guys, Manning. A lot, I'm talking about these rookies. A lot of these guys are going to be sitting behind these veteran quarterbacks. I, I think a lot of these teams are 
escaping the approach of start the guy now and throw him into the woods because I think the Browns saw that with Deshaun Kaiser and other quarterbacks around the league that it works sometimes 100%. Dak Prescott, for example, in his first year. But still, it's not... It's so good to have a year. How do you look at Ben Simmons in the NBA? You have a year, regardless of injury or not, you're you know seasoning and you're sitting there. And now the next year, you are ahead of the game, ahead of all these guys that are coming straight out of college or high school. It's the same thing for me in this situation. So, yeah, with that, I segue into pick number three which uh, for the Jets, which I think is going to be Josh Rosen. He can play for them right away. Sam Darnold's going to sit. And of the quarterbacks, of the teams that are in the top five of picks, the Browns have a QB that can play. Eli was at one point a franchise quarterback. And you still have Andrew Luck, who, if unless he has some kind of injury that we don't know about, is going to be a franchise quarterback when he comes back. So the Jets being the team at number three, they need the play-ready guy. The Giants don't. So I don't see them taking the play-ready guy at two. I see them taking the project. And then the, the play-ready guy goes to three. The same city, different team, all the plus size you guys said, he's a coastal kid, he loves a big city, put him on the Jets, have him play right away, have him mess up right away, and have him learn through it and not be behind Eli Manning. What about you, Perry? I'm in total agreement with you, Christian. I have Josh Rosen there as well, and for a lot of the same reasons that you just said, the big personality I talked about, he's going to be in New York just like if he was there with the Giants. I think Josh Rosen would have a harder time sitting without the chance of playing in this first year, regardless if he sees the playing field a lot. I think the fact that having Eli Manning on that team and ruling him out of complete competition for you know the quarterback position that year, I think that would take him down a bit. I think he's got way too big of an ego. That's something that you know has putting him at three was hard for me. I almost had him falling to 15 to the Cardinals, and that was only honestly for character issues. If he doesn't go, you know, the first three picks there is a chance they can fall just like a lot of these quarterbacks we don't really know how it's going to shake up because of all these quarterbacks that signed in free agency so far but Josh Rosen is a very play now player I like him in New York on the Jets even though they signed Teddy Bridgewater to a one-year pretty much tryout contract and they re-signed Josh McCown who had a surprisingly good year at I believe it's 39 years old he's he's very old so he's not the answer. This will be his last year, if not half year. I think, you know, I think it's going to be. Uh, honestly, Josh Rosen is going to start it this year at some point. I don't think it's going to be right away, but by game six and seven, McCown McCown is not going to be the answer. I think he had a lucky year last year, and I don't think it's going to continue. And I think they're going to try out the Teddy Bridgewater experiment, but who knows? Honestly, who knows if his knees are. I predict he's a starter week one. Honest to God, okay. Teddy Bridgewater. Fire. No, uh, Josh Rosen. I, I, I'm not sold on Bridgewater, and I think that he'll put together a strong enough performance in minicamp and preseason for them to at least throw him out there over Josh McCowan yep. in week one. Okay. I have, For number three, I have Sam Darnold. So it's two quarterbacks being taken off the board at 2-3, just flipped in terms of which quarterback's taken. Last, last mock draft, I had at number three, Saquon Barkley going, but that was, again, before I realized that Christian was right with him going number one, and the Colts were picking at number three. So Sam Darnold goes to the Jets at number three, and I think he does start right away, even though he's not as ready as Rosen. But the Jets, I just think that with the Giants, they're in more of a 
win now mode because that defense, even though they After struggled, last year, they, they were struggled as a mode. team. Are you serious? I still well the, look at the receivers. They had no receivers last year. All their receivers went down with injuries. If their receivers are healthy, they, they have, still have Odell. I mean, that's it. Do you think? Wait, hold on. Do you think week one that Eli Manning is a worse quarterback than Josh Rosen? Week one? No. No, probably not. But I. Still so then, why think, do you say win now? Because that wouldn't be now. That'd be win sometime in the future. I still think that. There's a chance that Eli Manning is not on the roster week one. Well, that's not going to happen. That's and bold. After last season, the mistake that that coach McAdoo made by sitting if he lost Eli, his job. If Eli Manning is oh, on the my. roster, no, he even. is starting, starting week one. Starting all if you cross Eli, games. you're going to be in the unemployment line. He's going to start 16 <laughs> games. Okay. I agree. Let's it's move on playoffs. to pick four. So Cleveland Browns, their second pick. This one's via the Houston Texans on the trade that they made last year where the Texans moved up to acquire Deshaun Watson. So, Perry, we'll start with you. Who is your pick for the Browns? Uh, I have free safety slash D-back, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama. I think they walk away with Sam Darnold and Fitzpatrick 1-4, which are um, an amazing day in my eyes. Fitzpatrick's an absolute beast, so athletic on the defensive side. He's actually able to play cornerback as well or a nickel kind of corner. He's very interesting. And uh, the thing is, I really like the you know the Browns' acquisitions and signings this offseason, but one that stands out to me is Demarius Randall, who can play cornerback and safety. I think they're going to slot him at the at cornerback, which is where he honestly plays a lot better and has a more of a knack for the game. But that leaves more of a spot for safety. That was really depending on how they looked at Demarius Randall to me. It was rather going to be Denzel Ward at corner or Minka Fitzpatrick, but I think Denzel Ward's a little bit of a stretch this soon. Minka Fitzpatrick isn't. He's definitely a player worthy of the fourth overall pick, and it's just because of how it shakes out with team needs. What about uh, you, Corbin? What do you think for number four to the Browns? I have Josh Allen going there. I know, Christian, you mentioned on the last podcast that you have JoshAllen.com, baby! (laughs) So, last mock draft I had Bradley Chubb going at number four to the Browns and I still think that would be absolutely terrifying with him and Miles Garrett rushing on it's too young young of a D-line man it's just with Saquon Barkley going number one in this draft they need a quarterback and Josh Allen is someone who he has all of the physical traits in the world needed to be a great quarterback in this league he's just going to need a lot of time to develop those skills and like you were saying, Christian, on the last podcast, Tyrod Taylor can kind of mentor him and show him how to be an efficient quarterback and gain from what Tyrod's been able to do with his limited physical ability as far as throwing the football goes. And Josh Allen, with how much talent he has throwing the football, he can just build upon that. And I think it's a really good position for Josh Allen to be in. He's not going to start right away, but he'll eventually develop into their quarterback and be their guy for the foreseeable future. Christian, who do you have? So, I love what you just said, Corbin. If they can trade back, number four is too high for a project piece like that. Um, I agree with Perry. They're going to go with Fitzpatrick. And I say this, uh, I don't know if I mentioned the last podcast, but I do live in the South. The SEC Network is like free on my TV, so I unfortunately watch it a lot. And uh, Saban said that Fitzpatrick, he sees a lot of himself in Fitzpatrick. So to me, that seems that you have a guy who's young, but a leader and someone that, that's, that is young but speaks with experience. So I think that you take, first of all, I think he's the best player available. Depends on how you see Chubb. He's the best player available, and you have a need for him. You need to go lock that guy up, and if you don't, trade back and do what Corbin just says at a price. And the thing so, is, Jabril Peppers from last year at safety, they just, you know, they slot Minka Fitzpatrick next to him, and now you got 
a free safety and strong safety for the future, that might be the best young duo of safeties in the league. And my opinion on Jabril Peppers is, when they first came out of the draft with him, I kind of hoped they put a little bit of weight on him and put him at middle backer and yeah. just make him a super fast middle backer who can cover like a bat and is a little bit bulky. I mean, he's only, what, 5'11", I want to say, so he's not so. Yeah. super tall, but you put some weight on him with that speed, that is a bowling ball, son. So yeah. whenever they, the Browns are in that position where they have all these pieces they've acquired for sucking for he, so he's long. Just, he's just such a ball hawk. It's just such a perfect spot for him in safety because he can hit so hard there, too. He's not a corner. I don't think he's a linebacker. I think safety is so perfect for him. But now in the NFL, that strong safety middle linebacker position is now the new hybrid, just like DN outside linebacker. Oh, yeah. And you have guys that can interchange between middle linebacker and strong safety. So that's what I'm saying. If they get Fitzpatrick and they want him to play safety, you could put some, tell that boy to get bigger in the offseason and then you have Randall, Fitzpatrick, and him all back there beyond who you want to get a cornerback. That's just scary to me. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, really really quickly, though, just mentioning on Christian's point about them trading back. So obviously for this mock draft, we didn't have any mock trades that we could do, but also, if the Browns were to trade back, I'd be a little wary if I was them about the Broncos at number five. I know they signed Case Keenum, but Josh Allen is someone who could make sense there. Also, just learning behind Case Keenum for a year or two. So, not sure. If they're set on getting a quarterback in one of these top three, they might have to just go with Josh Allen at 40. If it does seem I like could really see reason. them. I could really see them passing on a quarterback this year. I. That's just my feeling. My ethos is, if you suck all this time, why not suck again next year? You know, ride with the quarterback that you just spent the money on. Go with the battle plan. You know, it seems to me that their battle plan is Tyrod's the starter to win games at least. Tyrod's the starter, Carlos Hyde, maybe Saquon Barkley, and you could legitimately win games with that. So I'm not 100. Jarvis Landry and Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman. um, You can name it. They have David Njoku. Yeah, yeah, Njoku bomb. Yeah, throw them all out there. They they can win with Tyrod Taylor. I would not be surprised if the yeah. first round they go no quarterbacks. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's definitely their confidence with Tyrod Taylor makes that a question. I just think at this point with the one and four, how do you not go and get your quarterback of the future? Because it's so rare to have two guys in the top five coming to your team, and I don't think they're going to trade out. I think one team in the top five that has a possible trade back scenario would be the Giants. I think they might not. I think they might get cute and pass on Saquon Barkley and stick with the whole Jonathan Stewart. and. Um, I know. I totally agree. But I can see them moving back from that number two pick and using that as leverage since the Jets just moved to number three. Having someone move and you know leapfrog the Jets, I think the Giants can milk some serious compensation from that, and it might be worth it. So that's a team Maybe that, they could go to the Broncos and get a, two picks out of that. That's something I was thinking about. I know the Giants have interest in Quentin Nelson – uh, which will lead me directly into my next pick. So that's something to look out for. But let's go with number five to the Broncos. I have Quentin Nelson, offensive guard from Notre Dame. They have a gaping hole at offensive guard, and they don't have their guard for the future. And honestly, I just I love this guy. I think he's even questioned to go number two to the Giants. That might be a bit of a reach, but this offensive line class, he's by far the best guard. And I think it's a little heavier on tackles when it comes to talent. And I think he's going to be a perfect fit considering they just signed Case Keenum. I think they got confidence and they'll bring in another guy to come and help block for him. What do you uh, What do you think, Corbin, for number five to the Broncos? Yeah, I agree with you. I got Quentin Nelson, offensive guard out of Notre Dame going to them. They got they got their at least their stopgap quarterback for the moment with Case Keenum. And in my mock draft with the top three quarterbacks already off the board, 
I think it's too high to go with Baker Mayfield, especially when they do have a lot of interest in him, though. Elway, I've heard, yeah, I it's have just they have other that. stuff, and there's still that defense is not as scary, especially after the Aqib Talib trade. But they're still in a position where they could conceivably be at least a playoff contender, and I think they're going to move forward trying to attain that goal. Christian, who do you have going number five? I agree with Harry. I have uh, Quentin Nielsen for the fact that they took Garrett Bowles, who I've actually had the pleasure of speaking to, but he's kind of a weird guy. But So you draft him at guard, you put him next to Bowles, and that is a that is a left side of the offensive line that you could go to sleep at night feeling safe about. And it's a slam dunk. If uh, For the same reason for the Browns, if they can trade back and get Josh Allen, I think that's a slam dunk. I think he's the, he, in my mind, is the quarterback that could fall far enough and is good enough that you should, like, think about, think about getting him if he's around at that 10 range if he's there. So I think five is a little bit of a stretch for him, for the Broncos to take him there. And I think that with Quentin Nielsen is a baller. I know offensive guard isn't the sexiest position, but if you have a left guard and a left tackle, that can overpower having a really shitty center and a really shitty right guard having just those two positions that far away locking it down you can allow more help at those two other positions to kind of leapfrog them being not as good so quentin nielsen home run i love offensive line as an offensive lineman and uh he's a baller his hands are strong you need to watch this man play yeah no he's very good and i'd be surprised to see him fall out of the top five but we'll move to number six the colts who pulled off an amazing trade for them, moving back to number six and letting the Jets move up to three. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, they were able to pull mm-hmm. out two second-round picks this year and a second-round pick the following year as well and only move back four spots. Three, cl- uh, three, three spots. spots, sorry. A clear win for the Indianapolis Colts. Savvy move. And they still get the guy that we, at least I predicted in my mock draft 1.0, Bradley Chubb, Edge, NC State, just an absolute animal. You know, they're transitioning to an upfield 4-3 attack and having a guy like that and an edge rusher is really going to help with that transition for this team. And I just, of course, they have an O-line need. They need a receiver as well. They need some linebacker help. But they're active in free agency right now, and they just uh, signed Eric Ebron today, who they're going to pair up next to Jack Doyle for hopeful, hopefully Andrew Luck's triumphant return. So that's a scary duo. And I don't think they're going to add another piece on offense right there. They're going to go D and Bradley Chubb. Okay. I have Bradley Chubb going number six, too. In my last mock draft, I had Josh Allen going at this spot. Again, this was to the Jets. With Bradley Chubb, if they were at number three, I think they'd be taking Chubb. If it played out where Barkley was taken number one and then a quarterback went too. So for them to move back three spots and still get Chubb, where they need a lot of help on that defensive line, and Chubb can come in and make an immediate impact. He... On quite a few people's draft boards, he's as high as number two. I don't think anyone's ahead of Barkley, but you could make a strong case he's the second best player in this draft. So great value for them at number six. Christian, who do you have? I as well have Chubb. Um, the only thing I'm going to add is when I woke up this morning and I saw that Donick and Sue still hadn't signed anywhere, how amazing would that be to have Chubb and Donick and Sue next to each other? You could run nut and ton twists up the butt with them. They could... They would be such a scary duo with each other, and when I, if I were an NFL GM, I always would want to pair young talent with someone who's been there. Either they are good now or they were good in the past to pass on that information. So, to me, you get Donick and Sue, you get Chubb, and that is a defense that goes from being a joke to something that is 
time that would keep me up at night. I don't even play football anymore. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. That'd be a scary duo. And Dominican Sue, I know today he was meeting with the Rams, thinking Which about thinking about him and thinking, thinking about him and Aaron Donald. By far the scariest. Oh my god! Pass, by far the scariest uh, D tackle duo, you know, in the league and possibly in the last decade. I can't even think of a better one than that. But before we go off about that, let's move just to number seven to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have a serious needs on the defensive side. They need a running back as well, but it's too high to go running back uh, right here with Barkley clearly gone by seven. I know some mock drafts I've looked at have him falling all the way to seven with this quarterback need and everything like that, but that's not going to happen with the crazy combine that Barkley had. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their biggest need for me is corner and safety, and that's an issue. I think they snap a guy who is can play both. Derwin James, who moved up a lot in my mock draft, having a great combine, of course. He's going number seven. I initially had him 14 to the Packers, so moving up seven picks for me, and he can fill rather a need at free safety or cornerback because he can 100% play both, and he'll be the most most athletic person on that defense right away. Okay. Uh, number seven, I have Minka Fitzpatrick going to the Buccaneers. Like you said, they need a lot of help on the defensive side of the ball. You had Fitzpatrick. You both had Fitzpatrick going to the Browns, I believe. At four, yeah. Yeah, and my last mock draft, I had them taking Fitzpatrick as well. He's someone who, like you mentioned, Nick Saban said he's basically Nick Saban on the defensive side of the ball, someone who can definitely lead and just as important as that produces on that defensive side of the ball and is someone who is going to make an immediate impact from day one and really just change the entire identity of that Buccaneers secondary and really that entire Buccaneers defense. So it's a great pick for them at number seven. Christian, who do you have? I go with Derwin James just like Perry, but for a little bit different reasons. I don't think he's necessarily, like we talk about play ready with quarterbacks, I don't necessarily think he's play ready in the sense of his technique, but this kid is so freaking athletic. He is the best athlete available right now at, at number seven. So you got to go with him. He he will change that defense in the secondary with just his sheer athleticism. He can run from side to side. Unbelievable. And I, I have been, I don't want to say in love with this kid, but like when he was recruited out of high school, I, I thought Dion was talking about him, and Dion was like, this kid's the real deal. And if he said that about a high school kid, I, that's my that's the only stamp of approval that I need. So number seven, Derwin James. I hear you. I agree. He's a crazy athlete. But we'll move on to number eight, and it's just the Bears. They have a lot of issues, but you know they've made their decision with Trubinsky. They let go of Mike Lennon, who went and signed with the Arizona Cardinals to be their backup. They were able to get out of that, but I they went out and uh, they took care of the corner position this year with free agency Prince uh, Mukamara. And they re-signed Kyle Fuller to a long deal. That doesn't change the fact that I still think they address cornerback and look for, towards adding with Kyle Fuller and you know and company. And they're really going to get yeah, it's going yeah, to be Denzel Ward from Ohio State. You don't pass up on him here at eight. I know that they have other needs, but they went out and filled the wide receiver position. Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, in my initial mock draft, I believe I had them taking Calvin Ridley who's moved back a significant amount for me in my mock draft 2.0. But for me, cornerback is too big of a need for them, and not even a need at this point, but they can make an identity on that defense with just a ball hawk secondary with Kyle Fuller and with Prince Mukamara, who can play at a decent level now, but he's your good three. And having Denzel Ward, who's really shined on Ohio State last year, he's going to be taking number eight to Chicago. What do you think, Corbin? I like what you said with them kind of getting even more rich in that secondary. 
I think if they were to go on the defensive side of the ball, they'd probably go along the defensive line. They just don't have anyone who scares you as a pass rusher, and they already have quite a established good secondary. Unfortunately for them, I don't think there's anybody available right. for D. Right, and, and that's why for me, yeah. I don't go defense with them. I go offensive line. I go offensive tackle with Connor Williams out of Texas. In my last mock draft, I had them going with Connor Williams. He's someone who... Maybe it's a little bit of a reach. Ideally, you wouldn't select him this high, but they need a lot of help on that offensive line. He's the second line. best. Yeah, he's the second best lineman. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with Connor Williams there. Christian, what are your thoughts on the Aces? So I think that this is the first, maybe a little, not a reach, but they go uncharacteristic. I think they're gonna take Tremaine Edwards. He can pass rush. He can play middle linebacker. He is a 19 year old freak of nature. I don't. I, they have a lot of needs on that defense, but he is the guy that is there that I feel like will make the most difference from a culture standpoint and from a sheer let's get off our ass and stop the ball. Number eight, Tremaine Edward, Tremaine Edmonds. I'm sorry, I'm really bad with names. Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech. The kid is. I'm not gonna say Cleo Mack in terms of the way they play, but Cleo Mack. Is, you have this really young guy out of not necessarily a blue chip school who is gonna outperform those dudes from Alabama, USC, whatever you call. Yeah, for me at number nine to the 49ers, I have them taking Tremaine Edmonds. He's a freak of nature, like you said, and I didn't for my first mock draft they didn't have a ton of issues, but remembering Ruben Foster and his troubles and how he's probably not gonna see the field too much this year. They need to look to improve with linebacker, and like you said, he's a freak of nature, 19 years old, and he's only going to get better and better. A comparison that I read that I love, that's they're probably identical players in a sense, Anthony Barr on the Vikings from UCLA. He, They said that they're practically identical players coming out of college. Tremaine Edmonds might even have an edge on him. So he belongs in the top 10, a big jump for me, because in my initial mock draft, he went 27 to the Saints. For me, so it shows what a great combine that he had, and how high a lot of these scouts are on him, and a lot of research that I've done now, and a lot of signings. Of course, 49ers look to improve with their defense with Tremaine Edmonds. What do you think for number nine, Corbin? So I have them going defense as well. I have them going with cornerback Denzel Ward out of Ohio State. I had them picking him in my last mock draft. The Reuben Foster stuff is definitely concerning, but you just don't know how that's going to play out. I think that they're probably hopeful if there's some way for them to maybe just look at it a little bit differently and give him the benefit of the doubt they probably will especially with him being a young player so I just don't think it's quite time yet to essentially give up on him and draft his replacement after just what a year of him being in the league so Denzel Ward's the pick for me Christian what about you I have Connor Williams here uh when you, they already bought the house to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now it's time to go get the insurance policy. You still have Joe Staley at left tackle, but he's getting pretty old. So you can start, you can start Connor at right tackle, have him learn the ropes, and then when Staley's uh, ready to retire, you flip him over to the left side. They're loading up uh, to change that offense and to not go offensive line to protect all that money that you just spent in that quarterback. Seems a little ridiculous to not pick a offensive line with your first uh, first round pick. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. Uh, I think they've given a couple extensions on the offensive line that they have. I believe it's they've done two. Their center and I believe it was a guard. They've, yeah, but they still they right. Do that, need but more they're definitely there. listening to you, Christian, trying to up their insurance policy for their quarterback and at least can you know get more depth there. So they're definitely going to be addressing offensive line at some point. Let's move. And on. their blue, their blue chip left tackle is getting. He's almost like Joe Thomas. If you want to make a 
comparison. He's right there, still playing elite in his later years, but he could retire any of these years. Just now. a quick announcement: Yeah, Joe Thomas with his retirement, something we haven't talked about since the last podcast. Hat off to just a an true professional career. and amazing career. We, we uh, you know tweeted a lot of his accolades on Twitter when he officially announced. So take a look at that. I know a lot of you guys retweeted that under underappreciated career insane. too, I just know. because he was on the Browns and it wasn't even like. He was too old. What was he like? Thirty-one when he yeah, retired, or so. This is crazy. Just, like, I think it's he just too, wanted to do too different soon. stuff. Yeah. Too soon. It was funny. He held a, a meme competition on his page, and the one that won was when you decide to retire, but then your team comes out of retirement. And then he <laughs> sent he sent someone some free stuff. I thought it was hilarious. That is hilarious. Let's move on to number ten, the Raiders. They've made a lot of splash in free agency as well. They signed linebacker Tahir Whitehead from the Lions, who's an underrated linebacker, uh, was top three on his team in tackles last year. So I, I love that signing, but I still think that they address linebacker, someone that you both had number 10 to the Raiders in, in mock draft 1.0, but I didn't. Roquan Smith, linebacker out of Georgia, uh, something I read, he might be the best linebacker prospect in the last decade is something that I read, and that's a lot of praise, so I'd love to see it, but... Roquan Smith to the Raiders. I think it's a perfect culture fit, and he's going to add to this linebacker core that's going to be scary next year under uh, Coach Gruden. Yeah, number 10, I have Roquan Smith going to the Raiders as well. I had them taking Roquan Smith in my previous mock draft. He's someone who we've heard since at least December, him being linked to the Raiders. And you always hear players being linked to teams, but not for this long. So for it to be three months straight of Roquan Smith and the Raiders being linked to one another... Where there's smoke for that long, there's fire. So I think there's genuine interest between the two. The Raiders need help at linebacker. Roquan Smith is a beast of a linebacker, and he can come in right away and someone who's just going to make an immediate impact with them. Christian, who do you have going number 10? I agree, I agree with you two. It's Smith. I had it on my last mock draft. Just, just say his name with your eyes closed. It sounds like someone who plays for the Raiders. It sounds like someone who is a nasty linebacker that is going to hit you right in the teeth. It sounds like a Gruden, like said, Gruden player. Yeah. A Gruden it sounds like a Gruden player, and he was the Dick Butkus Award winner for the best linebacker last year. I love they that. need linebacker. He's the best linebacker. That's it. I love no, it. Nothing more. I love that. So I'll bet you my car that they pick him at 10. <laughs> I'm that confident. We're the... Uh, First pick, it's a nice uh, car. first pick. All three of us have been in agreement. So hopefully that means that's just destiny at that point. Uh, if you're a Raiders fan, and you're listening. Roquan Smith, he might be in your future. Let's move in on. my line. I have a gambling problem. Please <laughs> bet me on this. <laughs> Miami Dolphins at number eleven. I have them going Connor Williams, uh, offensive tackle out of Texas. I know you both. I know you were talking about the fact that it might have been a reach putting him 8 or 9, but I think at 11 it's perfect, and they have a clear need for offensive tackle especially. And with you know Tannehill coming back, they're going to look to beast up that offensive line and try and add you know more pieces than they already have. I know they already signed um, from the Sutton or Sitton from the Dolphins, correct? They landed Sitton from the Packers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, from the Bears. But from yeah, from the Bears. Apologies. Used to be on the Packers. So they already landed him. He's a little up there in age, but he's still got a few more years in his prime, I think. He's still the one end. of the best guards. Yeah, he's league. amazing. And But the thing is, I think uh, Williams coming in out of Texas, 11's perfect for him. That's not a reach at all. I thought he was going to go 11 or 12 to the, uh, to the Bengals, but the Bengals traded out. So I really see him at 11. I almost had them taking Baker Mayfield at this pick because I've read a lot of articles that Adam Gase and the Dolphins have a ton of interest in Baker Mayfield. Him going to Miami seems like it 
makes a lot of sense with his personality. So look out for Baker Mayfield at 11 to be under Tannehill and learn for a bit and maybe take over at some point. But it was just too ballsy of a move for me to to pick. I actually copy and pasted his name out of that slot, moved it to where I initially thought. Yes, I almost did it, but I think Connor Williams is the safe pick right here at 11. What do you think to the Dolphins, Corbin? Well, it was too ballsy of a pick for you, but not for me because I'm going with Baker Mayfield. I love it. I love it. I'm actually kind of surprised that you didn't go with Baker Mayfield. I know, I know. I tinkered. You talked so much about how in love you are with Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's going to a team that makes more sense to me, but still, he's not going to be the It's going to be the E.J. Manuel of this this draft. We're not going to see it coming, but it's going to fucking happen. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think if the top three quarterbacks are already taken by number 11, I could see him not being selected by the Dolphins at 11, but it makes a good amount of sense with Ryan Tannehill getting his contract restructured off of his second torn ACL. I believe there's a clause in that contract where they can waive him and cite injury history with his torn ACL to basically get rid of him with almost no dead money that they'd have to give up. So that's something to definitely look for. They can draft Baker Mayfield, and if they want, Tannehill can stay the starter for a year and let Mayfield develop a little bit more under him. But yeah, I think it makes a good amount of sense. So previously, in my mock draft 1.0, I had them going with Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech. I have him falling a little bit more in this one, but Baker Mayfield's my selection at number 11. What about you, Christian? I oh, I'm so mad that I didn't go before you because I thought I was going to be so savvy of having Baker Mayfield right here. <laughs> I think the rebuild in Miami is here, and we need to accept it. Jarvis Landry is gone, and Jay Ajay is gone. They are a completely different team, and Pouncey is also gone. Yeah. Uh, he's Which now on the Chargers. Reason why I think they go O-line also. It's so, yeah. weaker. I agree. I think Tannehill's out. I think Jay Cutler's a bum. I don't care where he goes. <laughs> I think not, he's not he goes anywhere. Right? He's got to be retired this year. Well, wait, wait till some quarterback tears his ACL, and then they throw him a ridiculous amount of money to lose. <laughs> Just wait. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so you take Baker Mayfield... They're going to suck next year, but let him be crazy, sell tickets, sell jerseys, let him develop, do his Baker Mayfield thing in Miami, and just ride the energy until you can get enough draft picks back to save that flaming franchise. Yeah, that's the one pick I love that you guys both just made that I didn't. I That's the one pick that... Our- Balls are giant. Yeah, it, it, it killed me to take him out of there, but I just think with the loss of Pouncey and the fact that the Dolphins, I don't think it's the right year for for Baker Mayfield to them. Just really thinking about, it, I think they're really going to ride with Tannehill. Is there a different? They're going to ride with Tannehill. No, exactly. I just like it. Just doesn't seem right to me right now. I think Tannehill okay. coming back, they're not ready to abandon ship on him, and I think they're not going to waste a first round pick if they can land a Lamar Jackson in the second round or a Mason Rudolph or anyone like that that they feel is their guy and they can wait on. I like that. I just think with the quarterbacks getting taken in the top 10 and with it being, you know, with him being there, it's definitely tempting. But with Tannehill coming back, I don't think they abandoned ship quite yet. But we'll move on to pick number 12, the Bills. They traded uh, with the Bengals to move up to number 12 from number 21 they initially had 21 and 22 they moved up and traded 21 to 12 giving up uh cordy glenn yeah, uh, offensive tackle to the to the Bengals, who had some serious serious offensive tackle and guard needs so big up for the the Bengals, who definitely need some offensive line help but moving on to the bills i go quarterback here they, I know they signed A.J. McCarron, but he signed to back up money, and this was two years. 
AJ McCarron didn't get this steal of a deal that I was expecting. It was really the last place that made sense for AJ McCarron with all the quarterbacks signing as quick as they did. I really think that we overshot our expectations for AJ McCarron's market. And Bradford got twenty million for one year. Whoever his agent is, give me his number because I need some cash. That dude continually gets Sam Bradford the best contracts, even though he's just continually been mediocre or just been pretty pretty good in a such a small sample size year in and year out, but continues to get these massive contracts. So we'll see if that works out for them. But I think the Bills go Josh Allen. You don't move up to to twelve to go pick an offensive lineman. You move up to 12, and I think that they're a team to watch to move up even higher as well. It's, I'm more hesitant for them to move up since the A.J. McCarron trade, but I think that with their already uh, move up to 12, Josh Allen is a guy that they're going to bring in there. Try out the A.J. McCarron thing for a year. If he's not your guy, you got Josh Allen, who is a project pick, maturing underneath him. I think it makes a ton of sense. I think Josh Allen coming from Wyoming, going to Buffalo is going to be another boring place for him. And it's going to be perfect for his personality. I think Josh Allen to the Bills makes a lot of sense at 12. Okay. I agree that if there's a quarterback like Josh Allen there at 12, then they go with him. It's just in my he's, mock he's draft. He's too raw for me. Yeah, it's I, just, well, it's just in my mock draft. Yeah. The top four quarterbacks have already been taken. You're not going to take Lamar Jackson. One, one, one or two of them had the slide, though, with all the quarterbacks you know that are with right. Rosen and everything. So I have... I have them going offense and helping out whoever their quarterback will end up being. It looks like it's going to be A.J. McCarron at least for a little bit, but give him some help with wide receiver Calvin Ridley out of Alabama. Originally, in my last mock draft, I had Rashawn Evans going at this slot, but that was again to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now the Bills are here, and Ridley is someone who the Bills just don't have much of their wide receiver position and. Even though they got Even, Kelvin Benjamin last year, which wasn't up, and Zay Jones, the rookie they right. got last year, was starting to come. Kelvin Benjamin, someone who is—he's a unique type of player. Six foot five, definite red zone threat. Calvin Ridley's just someone that you can put in the middle of the field as a slot receiver, and you're going to give AJ McCarron, who even if he isn't your quarterback of the future, you want him to perform well because the quarterback's the heartbeat of your team. So give him another weapon. I think Calvin Ridley definitely makes sense here with the Bills. Christian, what's your pick? I said it once. I said it twice. I will say it until I see this man's name on a card. DraftKingsAllen.com. Christian, Christian, you you cut out right there, so we didn't hear that. I apologize. I'm in the Goonies. I'm in the swamp in Louisiana. Draft Josh Allen right now. Do it. The Bills need to take him. If he lands there at 12, they could be a flaming... Sack a poo for a year. Have him work out all the kinks. Throw it was it Petterman threw like six picks and a half and killed me in fantasy. Petterman's not <laughs> gonna be, he's not gonna be their backup quarterback. Uh, if if they feel comfortable enough to play him, you can feel comfortable enough. Josh Allen coming on the field right now and throwing nines the whole game. If that right. performance was okay for you. I'd start Josh Allen without one practice on the Bills than oh, over, yeah, over Petterman right now. Dude, have, just, why not? Honestly, hold my beer. Let me see what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, Josh, you, you might as well. Josh Allen be a really interesting pick here. And I think at 12, it's a great value pick for the Bills. They moved up to 12 for a reason. I think they believe it's going to be Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen sliding here. I think they both slide to them, and they get their choice between the two. So uh, we're going to move on to the Redskins at number 13. And again, they have a lot of needs as well, at the, especially defense. 
with cornerback, linebacker, D-line. They need it all, to be honest. Quarterback is, could be a concern when it comes to looking for a backup that for the future, but Alex Smith is there, and he just signed that big extension. I have them going cornerback, uh, Joshua Jackson out of Iowa. He's the next best corner behind Denzel Ward. I don't, I'm not huge on this cornerback class, but he's definitely a very good athlete, had a great combine, and it fills a need for the Washington Redskins at corner. Okay. I have them going with a secondary pick as well. I have them going safety, Derwin James, who, Perry, I know you had going a little bit higher. Yeah. I have them going Derwin James in my previous mock draft as well out of Florida State. He's someone who, like you mentioned, he's just a freak athlete, someone who you can put on the defensive side of the field, and it's going to be scary what he can turn into if he is able to harness all of his athletic abilities. So that's a pick that I'm pretty confident in. I don't think that he'll slide past number 13. I think he could definitely be chosen before 13, though. Christian, what's your pick for 13? I do see him sliding just because uh, the first cornerback that in my draft is available is Denzel Ward. So I see him going here, and I see Jackson sliding further than 13. Who do you have to 13? I said Denzel Ward. Oh, okay. I, so see I, him, I see him. I see Josh Jackson sliding further than okay. 13. Well, so yeah, I'm saying just that- because I have... Denzel Ward still on the board. I think okay. Denzel Ward to the Redskins is a, a great value deal for them. If they can grab him at 13, they need to jump all oh, over that. Yeah, yeah, so we'll move on 14 to the Packers. Of course, we established last episode that Corbin is a very firm owner in the uh, Packers <laughs> he organization. He runs the show. Don't he's, get it twisted, Barry. Not, he's Corbin not a fan. owns the Packers. He's not a fan. He is the owner of the Packers, and he made that very <laughs> clear last week. But speaking of the Packers, they have a lot of uh, needs on that team as well with their defense, to me, stands out the most. Losing Jordy Nelson, definitely, I think they'll look to add a receiver in the draft at some point, but that's definitely, there's no one at 14 that really makes a lot of sense. They could look at Calvin Ridley here. It could make some sense because they definitely need a receiver, but I think it's too tempting to go with Marcus Davenport, edge out of UTSA. He's very raw, but his athletic ability is insane. He's so long, and he adds a definite need for the Packers with an edge rush that they don't have very much anymore and definitely will solidify on that defense. And he'll be able to grow, and I think he's going to be a scary athlete in this league. And if he can harness a couple of his raw abilities, he's going to be very, very good. And I think at 14, you might think it might be a stretch for Davenport, but there isn't a lot of talent at the edge position in my opinion for this draft and uh, Davenport's very very tempting I think the Packers go there at 14. Corbin what do you think for your team? I kind of have a little bit of a reset here you mentioned the I'm an owner not the owner but I am the The only owner it's just Corbin yeah I'd be fine with that if they want to give me that position but I have them going with wide receiver Cortland Sutton out of SMU you mentioned Jordy Nelson being released so that they could create enough cap room to sign Jimmy Graham in free agency and also Muhammad Wilkerson on the defensive side of the ball. Originally, in my last mock draft, I had cornerback Josh Jackson here, and he's someone who I think there are three guys that make the most sense. Josh Jackson, Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame, who if you draft him, if you're the Packers, you have two bookend tackles at left tackle with David Bakhtiari and right tackle and Mike McGlinchey, and then you're able to protect your quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who you are at some point going to give the most massive extension to of any quarterback ever. Definitely. But for me, just with Jordy Nelson leaving the Packers, they have no one in-house, at least what it looks like right now, that can come in 
and even remotely fill what he's been able to do on the other side of the on one side of the ball or one side of the receiving corps. They have two outside receivers, obviously Devontae Adams on one side. Jordy Nelson used to be there on the other side. They sell Randall Cobb in the slot, but now it's only those two. They need another outside receiver. Cobb is six feet on a good day. He can't be your everyday outside receiver. And I think Cortland Sutton at six foot four, he's still He's someone who, it's a little bit of a reach, but I think it just, it makes sense. And I'm going to go with Sutton at number 14. Christian, who's your pick? I agree with Perry. I go Davenport because I see him as, I don't want to say exactly like Jadavion Clowney, but Jadavion Clowney-ish. And he doesn't come from a big school. So I have to think that this guy has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's freakishly athletic. If I were an NFL GM, I would be frothing at the mouth to try to trade up and get this guy if I had needs at pass rush. Like Perry said, there's not a huge... This isn't a class that gets after the football in the pass rush, so he's the best guy available. They have a need at pass rush. It seems like a clear-cut fit. I agree. Davenport seems like a, definitely a good pick right there. We'll move on to 15 Arizona Cardinals. Definitely made some splash in free agency with the quarterback position, signing Sam Bradford to that big deal I was talking about. Uh, even though it's only two years, and of course getting Mike Lennon, I still think they go quarterback here. Sam Bradford's their bridge quarterback. He's definitely not the one for the future, regardless of the amount of money they spent. The reason why they went out and signed two quarterbacks is because I don't think they had any quarterbacks on their roster. I think they had one, and they definitely needed some a lot of depth there, so I think they find their quarterback of the future here with Baker Mayfield. His sister lives in Arizona, He uh, actually goes to that state quite a lot. He's been very vocal. He goes to parties a lot, actually, that I know from going to college there. I've heard his name, and, you know, my old boss who runs clubs out in Scottsdale has actually hosted him for a night there. So Baker Mayfield in Arizona, he already is... That doesn't sound like an NCAA violation or anything. No, yeah, he's he's rooted there, definitely, and he, I think with his sister being there, it's attractive, and the Cardinals... I don't think they'll move NC up. is attractive. I don't think they'll move up, but Baker Mayfield to 15 for the Cardinals makes sense to me, and I think that's a steal at 15. He's a winner. Okay. I have them going with offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey. If Baker Mayfield's there at 15, then yeah, I think there's no way that they don't select him. But since he's not there and the, other, the top four quarterbacks on my board are gone, Mike McGlinchey makes a lot of sense. They need a lot of help on that offensive line. Obviously, defensive back with Tyron Matthew being let go. They do have Buda Baker, who showed some promise last year coming in the second half of he the year. He's a pro bowler for what? special teams. Yeah. Special teams, but I'm talking about in the right. second Right, I'm just year. saying, he's got a serious... serious yeah, no, he's a hard hitter, too. But Mike McGlinchey, for me, you have Sam Bradford, who you signed to be your quarterback for the next one or two years, who is just basically glass... Yeah, you, he's a bridge quarterback. You, yeah, but you still want your bridge quarterback to be healthy, so you need someone who can protect him, and Mike McGlinchey can do just that. They so. got a, They did sign uh, Justin Pugh, who was a big name. He does play tackle as well, and they signed another tackle. So that, they definitely are addressing the offensive. offensive I think he plays, guard. He, plays guard. he plays guard. I said they're definitely addressing the offensive line this offseason because it's a huge gaping need. So I see where you're coming from for sure, having to protect whatever quarterback is back there and open up some holes for David Johnson, who I think people forgot about this last yeah. year. He's going to come back and have a monster year, I believe, and the Cardinals you know, are going to be fine past this Carson Palmer era, which wasn't all that great anyways. And Fitz, uh, Fitzgerald's coming back, and he's going to have another 90-cat season, barring injury. I really like this Cardinals team. Reg- uh, 
sorry, regardless of the fact that they uh, lost Tyron Matthew to the uh, Houston Texans, who I think is going to have the biggest breakout year out of any free agent signing this year. But still, I think that Baker Mayfield there is an awesome pick. What do you – so uh, – sorry, Christian, what's your pick? I have uh, so I have Joshua Jackson falling here because, like you just said, Perry Tyron Matthew is gone. I know he had played a little bit more at safety this year than cornerback as he usually had, but if Joshua Jackson falls to this pick, you need to take him to bolster up your secondary. I know you guys want to go quarterback for the future, but spending twenty million dollars for at least this year. You can commit to trying to win, and I think that Josh Jackson is a much more of a win-now pick than going quarterback in the first round. Um, I think that they should play my boy Harlan Miller, my former teammate, more at safety, put this man in at quarterback, have Buda Baker at free safety, and that's you still have Patrick Peterson. That's still a scary secondary. You still have an offense that is could perform very, very well with Sam Bradford. They've, they've, barely, they've basically had second-string quarterbacks playing for the last year and a half because Carson Palmer's been banged up. So you get the quarterback, you get an increase at quarterback, you have your star running back back, lock up the defense that you just lost, and maybe use that cap room that you would have spent on Tyron Matthew to go get someone else to help your team out other places. Yeah, new coach there with Bruce Arians gone now, so we'll see how this team plays out this year. We'll move out to 16 to the Ravens who I really thought they were going to go receiver at this point in the draft for, you know, most of, or at least for my mock draft 1.0, but they went out and signed Michael Crabtree to a three-year $21 million. Uh, Just a ripple effect from Jordy Nelson going to the Raiders. There wasn't enough room for Crabtree. He wasn't in their plans. Uh, The Ravens pounced on him after Ryan Grant failed their physical. They also signed John Brown, speedster from Arizona. So they, uh, they're pretty much all of their picks, or sorry, all of their signings have been receivers pretty much this offseason. I don't think they go first-round receiver here at all. They have a definite need at offensive guard, and I think they get a steal with Will Hernandez here. Just boast, just his draft stock went out the roof for me. Put just so fast, so strong. Put up so many reps. I don't have his combine numbers in front of me, but put up top three reps, top three speed for any of the uh, you know linemen. So he's just a steal at 16, and definitely raises his draft stock. Where I had him at 29, the first mock draft, I now have him to the Ravens at 16. Okay. I have them actually going wide receiver. You mentioned that you thought that would also make sense. I have them going wide receiver Christian Kirk out of Texas A&M. My last mock draft, I had them going with Calvin Ridley out of Alabama, uh, I believe. So yeah, have, I had him you have taken three, to the three receivers yeah. taken by pick sixteen. Yeah, it's wow. just I receiver. Zero. I get a weak class. Yeah, I have zero. I know, but receiver is a position not as much as quarterback, but even with quarterback, especially you see even when it's a weak class. It's still a premium position where they get selected early, and wide receiver is not the same level as quarterback, but it's something where teams are more comfortable reaching for a wide receiver than they are for a defensive end or an offensive guard or something like that. Totally. So Christian Kirk, and the Ravens need help at wide receiver. Christian Kirk can come in, and someone who is incredibly quick with the football, Joe Flacco, has a very strong arm. Um, Just give it to Kirk in space and let him do his thing. Yeah, with Danny Woodhead retiring, they, yeah. they need a uh, shifty, smaller kind of scout back slash receiver kind of person. So. Yeah. Christian, do who do you have for 16? I have Hernandez just like Perry. Uh, I saw a former Raven, Steve Smith, was talking about that he thinks that Hernandez is a better player right now than Richie Incognito. So with that kind of, like I said in the last, last podcast, with that endorsement and their needed offensive line, that has to be the pick. Before we went on air, I was going to go wide receiver, but actually Perry had convinced me out of it once he had brought specifically 
how the free agents are going to fit in their new offense. Go offensive line, and I want to say Justin Pugh was signed from the Ravens, so that would fill in the slotted offensive guard that is lost right there. Yeah, they haven't needed a guard and tackle, so Will Hernandez fills a much more needed, but sorry, need in my in my opinion at guard, and he's just a crazy athlete, and so definitely one of the most interesting prospects in this entire first round might be the most for me. We'll he's on. very game-ready offensive line. I know we've thrown that term around a lot today, but at the offensive line, he's very game-ready. Right. I don't think he's got the name recognition that some other offensive linemen have coming from UTEP, so he definitely is going to make a name for himself going first round after that crazy combine. Uh, 17 Chargers, they have a serious need with their D-line. I'm not happy with it at all, and they're the second team here in Los Angeles. They need to make some serious moves, and I know that they went out and signed Mike Pouncey, who's going to definitely boast their offensive line, and that you know steers me away from having them go offensive line in the first round, and they go D-line and go Vita Vea, uh, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, and put up by far the most reps, I believe, for defensive linemen. He's so strong and so crazy. He'd be such a perfect fit on the Lions with... Uh, Matt Patricia, but I don't think he's going to fall to 20. I can actually see the Lions moving up to pick Vita Vea because in mock drafts right now, I've even seen uh, Vea going as high as uh, to the Raiders because he's the probably the best game-ready defensive he's lineman right now. He's a monster, and I think the Chargers get a steal on their offense, or, sorry, defensive line with him. Yeah, I agree with you. I have them going with Vita Vea out yeah, of Washington. Yeah, high five. Yeah. <laughs> oh. but- <laughs> oh, what? All three of us again? Think about yeah, him, Joey Bosa, Melvin exactly. Ingram. Think about that young sleep. defensive line. That's ridiculous. Good night. So, yeah, you have a perfect mix of youth, talent, and pass rush. That's scary. Yeah, totally. So we'll move on since we're all in agreement with Vita Vea. Uh, 18 to the Seahawks. I have someone that Corbin already had drafted, Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle, Notre Dame. Seahawks don't like to spend money on free agent offensive linemen at all. They're notorious for not doing so, and right here, it's just, I see them going. There was a couple meetings that intrigued me today. I saw Terrell Pryor was meeting with them, and I know they had a lot of running backs, DeMarco Murray, other players that have came in to try out for the skill position for the Seahawks. So I see them making moves over there, um, trying to draft right now with an offensive line, stay safe, and protect Russell Wilson, who's coming off a career year and just needs some more help getting blocked. They didn't do a very good job, and I think Mike McGlinchey's very game-ready at offensive tackle. Okay. Yeah, I have the Seahawks going on the defensive side of the ball. For any of you guys that have been following the NFL, their entire defense over the course of this past year has just completely evaporated and it's all gone. Yeah, Sherman's gone. Jeremy Lane's gone. Cam Chancellor might not be back. Michael Bennett was just Sean traded, Shea. so Shea's yeah, gone yeah. Too. But with Michael Bennett leaving, I think they're in a position where they can take a chance on Marcus Davenport, who you guys talked about. I think you guys both had him going to the Packers. Someone who, athletically speaking, is terrifying, but he's extremely raw. But he's someone who can definitely develop given some time and opportunity. The Seahawks can definitely give him opportunity with Mark or with Michael Bennett being gone. And as far as time goes it seems like they're moving into a position where they're just starting their rebuild. So he's going to be given every chance to succeed, but if that success doesn't come immediately, that's not the worst thing in the world for them. Christian, who's your pick at number 18? I have Mike, Mike McLeod, I say his name, McClinley. McClinchy. I think Mike McClinchy. I, I see what your point, uh, Corbin, that they, they have gaping needs at defense, but I think this is they're, they're signaling a rebuild, but 
they're not getting rid of Russell Wilson. So during this rebuild, they're going to need to make sure their franchise quarterback is, is going to make it through the rebuild. And I think that they learned their lesson last time when they constructed the Seahawks on how poorly they put together their offensive line. And I think that this time when they rebuild the Seahawks, they're going to do with, they're gonna do better with the information they had last time and not have such a bad offensive line and make a culture pick for offensive line and start, start turning the wheel in the right direction. I think if they go defense first pick, they're... They're going along the same path that got them here. Go offensive line, build the house the correct way, don't take any shortcuts, and keep your franchise quarterback healthy. He's He is amazing. Russell Wilson is like Aaron Rodgers in the sense that he is outperforming with the bad tools around him. Yeah, and Christian, Help. you know how high I am on Russell Wilson. and they're just You lucky. love him. They're you just, made me a believer this they're, year. They're just so lucky that he's the most elusive quarterback when pressure's coming. Yeah. He's able to shake so much, but for how long? At some point, they're going to get him. And imagine when Russell Wilson, hopefully not, of course, goes down with an injury, and then what's next for the Seahawks? Nothing. That's their only identity, and they don't have to go complete rebuild. Just maybe, you know, on the defensive side for sure. But their offense, I think they just are signing or two away, and you know, a smart draft pick, an offensive line, and they're able to keep Russell Wilson upright. It's smart. We'll move yeah, on to really, really quickly. I just got an alert on my phone, so breaking. don't know if this is going to change your guys' mock drafts at all. The Packers safety Morgan Burnett has agreed to sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, I, li- I really, I actually really like Yeah, they do need, really like they do need help at safety. Packers wow. also need help at safety, and now even more so. But. Yeah, the Packers definitely need some secondary help with Demarius Randall, and now yeah, Burnett gone, and gone. Sam Shields not coming back with the Packers. He's going to come well, back with the Rams. Last year, though. Right. But still, the Packers have some serious secondary issues. I just think that they're going to, they're honestly probably going to have to move up in this draft if they're going to have to land the, you know, ball hawk that they want. I think they're going to be taken early. But we'll move on to 19, the Dallas Cowboys, my team, of course. I love them. Um, it was really a toss-up for me. I was so intrigued to put Calvin Ridley here because of the murmurs about Des Bryant's future. And regardless of the fact that we uh, drafted Ryan Switzer last year, who's a very great slot receiver and mainly returner, it's just a different story with Calvin Ridley. He can take over a game. I know he's about six foot six one, so he's not a scary possessed receiver, and he's not a slot receiver. He's kind of in the middle. But Calvin Ridley's definitely got the talent and the skill set. I I would love to see that pick there, but I don't think the Cowboys get too cute there, and they definitely address a defensive line need. I know they went tackle charts, and but last year, but they go deep tackle right now where they need some serious help. They go Deron Payne, just an absolute monster from Alabama. Someone that would make me so happy to see this pick really happen. And I think right now, 19 is a good spot for him. I initially had him in number 10 to the Raiders in my initial mock draft. So for my team to grab him at 19 would be a steal for me. I know how talented he can be. And I think Deron Payne makes a lot of sense for the open D-tackle position for the Cowboys. Adding that defensive line that really isn't bad anymore at all. It's getting better and better and better. And adding a big body and you know right in the middle right there is going to help. Yeah, I could not agree more. I had Christian Kirk going in my mock draft 1.0 for the Cowboys because of the Des Bryant stuff. It looks like he's going to stay. So I have Deron Payne going wow, for the Cowboys. Love, love yeah, it. Love Deron it. Payne, his 10-yard split on his 40-yard dash at the Combine, I don't remember what the time was, but I know it was one hundredth of a second faster than Joey Bosa. Wow. So that shows you his explosiveness. And he's a D tackle. Yeah, yeah, and Bosa is a pass rushing edge. edge rusher who's yeah. extremely explosive. So that shows you just his ability to get after the quarterback. And you add him to a defensive line, which, like you mentioned, not bad. They got 
Demarcus Lawrence. They got David Coming Irving. Off a career year. Yeah, they got David Irving. They got Taco Charlton, who's going to be going into his second year. They gave up 104 yards against the rush last year, which that's not horrible, but definitely with Deron Payne taking up the middle of that defensive line, that's something that can definitely Rob be Rob Marinelli is ex-Marine. He's one of the craziest defensive coordinators in the league. He's my favorite coach on the Cowboys by far. Not a huge Jason Garrett fan, but he's cool. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, that defense is going to be scary. If Deron Payne can play under Marinelli, I think he can, you know, put up five, six sacks this year, and that's for a D-tackle rookie. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. What do you think, Christian, for 19? I like Deron Payne uh, for, like, a little bit of a different reason than you guys. He has a little bit of a big uh, big playability at D-tackle, which isn't something that you get from that position. Big playability on that defensive line for the Cowboys, that's a little... The, the big playability is something that that defense has missed for a little while, and you add that at defensive tackle, you could really help out a defense that last year was pretty lackluster. I know with Ezekiel Elliott, all the drama, motivation comes into, key, comes into play, but draw pain... So when I made this, I saw what do they need? D tackle. Who's the best D tackle available? Vitave has gone. Deron Payne. So that's how I made that choice. Yeah, and that leads me to my next pick to the Lions, who would now be the third choice for D D line for me at D tackle. Maurice Hurst uh, out of Michigan. I know he had. I think it was a heart problem yeah. at the combine. So it's something to keep an eye on. But clearly. He hasn't been ruled out, and I think I don't think they've found anything serious to uh, really affect his draft stock in a big way. So I still think he goes top 20, exactly 20 to the Lions, and he fits very well in the Matt Patricia offense, Really, or sorry, defense. Anybody really does at D-tackle. He's an amazing defensive mind, and I think he's going to you know bring the most out of whatever D-tackle lands to them. I really see the Lions as a team to watch out for to move up to you know maybe 15 something like that maybe even not as big of a jump but moving up to you know leapfrog the Cowboys possibly maybe even the Chargers maybe to 16 because definitely Vita Vea is a guy that it's so hard to pass on if you can get your pick of the litter of these D tackles definitely him but Maurice Hurst falls to the Lions at 20. Okay I had Maurice Hurst at 22 in my previous mock draft because of that hard problem that he had the combine he fell out of my first round Number 20 going to the Lions. I have them going defensive line as well. Just an edge rusher with Harold Landry out of Boston College. Vita Vea was my pick for them in the mock draft 1.0. Again, with Matt Patricia coming in as the new head coach there, someone who has proven his ability on the defensive side of the ball for multiple years. You need to give him as much help as you can on a defense that is not terrible but not great either. And he's definitely going to make them better, but give him more tools to succeed. And Harold Landry will definitely come in right away and give them someone who can get after the quarterback. Definitely. And with the signing of uh, LeGarrette Blunt, who is a Matt Patricia guy, he's a big fan with them obviously being on the Patriots together. They signed him. They still have Abdullah. They still have Reddick. So it doesn't seem like running back is their first-round need. Even though they re-signed Zach, they re-signed Zach Zenner, they went out and signed LeGarrette Blunt. They still have the, both those two guys. I don't see them going going running back anymore like I did in the mock draft 1.0. Christian, uh, who do you have going to the Lions? I have Maurice Hurst just for the vision of him and Ezekiel and Shaw playing together. That would be scary. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, he's definitely a serious pass rusher. Just like you said, he's one of the rare big play kind of D tackles that you see nowadays. He's definitely very athletic, even though he's still a big body, Maurice Hurst. But that heart issue is just so, you know, you don't really know too much about it yet, so I'm scared that's going to push him out of the first round. Like until, until a doctor comes out and tells me that he physically can't play that heart condition, to me, 
doesn't mean jack squat. Right, it's just, that's, that's why he stays it's just for me conjecture. He, that's why he stays for me, too. He's just too talented. Uh, 21 to the Bengals. I have a guy I didn't have in my mock draft 1.0 that definitely showed what a crazy athlete he is in the combine. Leighton Vander Esch, one of the top names in the draft as well, coming from Boise State. Linebacker, they have a big need there for linebacker with the Bengals. It was originally their offensive line that needed serious help, and it would be surprising if they didn't go first round. They traded back, got Cordy Glenn to fill in a need for them. I know that they've been active this free agency as well, Going uh, obviously getting Cordy Glenn. They haven't really done much else besides re-signing their guys, keeping their guys you know, there because they believe in this draft. I know the Bengals clearly moved back because they weren't too high on where they were and they wanted to fill a need, and now they're able to move back and still get a guy that helps them a ton on their defense, especially with Vontez Burfick with everything going on with him and the possibility that they might even be able to avoid his contract. Leighton Van Der Esch is a very interesting pick to the Bengals. Who do you have at 21, Corbin? Yeah, I have linebacker as well. So Leighton Van Der Esch was someone who I had at 32 in my previous mock draft. He fell out of the first round for me just not so much because he had a bad combine, he had a pretty good combine, yeah. but just different team needs have changed a little bit. I have Tremaine Edmonds, who you guys both had going a lot higher. Yeah, all the way to 21. Yeah, wow. falling all the way down to 21. And again, that's nothing with Edmonds, it's just more team needs and where I think different teams should go, and linebacker just wasn't that, or at least middle linebacker wasn't that as much as a premium, even though I know Edmonds can rush the passer as well. But I'm going at number 21 to the Bengals, and again, same type of thinking as you, Perry with why he went linebacker with Vontez Perfect that four-game suspension triggered the really the Bengals' ability to escape from him and his contract and all of his issues that he has on the field. So it definitely makes sense for them after falling back a little bit with that trade that they did with the Bills to definitely. get their left tackle of the future. Christian, who do you have at 21? So I have him going with Colton Miller. Uh, he's a UCLA player, and I don't like usually... <laughs> picking players from UCLA because I'm a I'm a USC boy at heart, um, but I think that he's a uh, I get his name wrong Colton Miller. He's a really he's like a, I don't want to say a project player, but he's a very good pass blocker. He needs a lot of help at run blocking, so he's a little bit of a project player in the sense that half of his game is still a little bit undeveloped. I think that the Bengals, even though they got Glenn in that trade, when they let Whitworth walk, they they need, like, letting him and, I can't forget who their offensive guard was, letting both of them walk, their offensive line has gone so bad, and I think getting two tackles, locking down your perimeter will help Andy Dalton play a little bit better than he did last year. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, so we'll move on to the next pick, which segues me perfectly for 22 to the Bills. I have them taking Colton Miller from UCLA, a guy that wasn't on my mock draft 1.0, wasn't on any of ours, but had a very, very good combine, show that he's one of the most athletic uh, offensive lineman in this entire draft, and he's definitely earned himself some draft stock moving up to the first round. The Bills have been active this free agency, mainly on the defensive side, signing a DN, two D tackles, and a safety. Um, the name that highlights most of it. Sorry if I mispronounced the last name. Star Lutulule. Oh, like sorry, Lutulule, but you yeah. know, Star the you know, Tulule. Tulule. They signed him to a five-year, fifty million dollar contract. I think that they found their need at D tackle, which was going to be the only. That was my only other pick for them, but now I see them just filling a direct need with when they lost Cordy Glenn. Now, just like you said last pick with the Bengals getting Cordy Glenn, they've lost him and have a serious needed tackle. Colton Miller comes and is just a plug-in player. That's it. What about you, Corbin? 
I have them going with quarterback. So they traded Tyrod Taylor. They signed A.J. McCarron in the offseason, which we all agree he's a stopgap quarterback for the next one or two years. Who did you have them going with uh, their first pick of the first round? With their first pick, it was wide receiver, I believe. It okay, was yeah, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, so again, giving A.J. McCarron some help offensively and then eventually their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, at number 22. And again, it's a little bit... Some similarities to Tyrod Taylor in that he can run the football, but so much, at least has the ability to be such a better passer than Tyrod just because his arm strength strength is on a completely another level. So, yeah, I think that's a really good fit for them, just landing their quarterback of the future that they don't have to play right away and can develop because Lamar Jackson definitely needs a lot of work, but I am pretty confident that he will get there and will be someone who if coached right, can be absolutely terrifying for defensive coordinators for the foreseeable future. Christian, who do you have at 22? You guys are not going to see this coming, and I didn't. I said this man fell out of the first round by his combine performance, but I have Orlando Brown wow. from Oklahoma. So let me, let me explain, obviously. So I was reading up, and their offensive line coach, Juan Castillo, he's kind of a naysayer about the NFL draft. He makes his decisions based on film. So with that ethos, I think that they are going to take a player who plays phenomenal in film. It's not like the way that he performed in the combine can be directly linked to somewhere in his play. It was just a weird anomaly. He looked out of shape. He looked at all sorts of things, but his game film does not lie. He ragdoll dudes in the Big 12. So he has film. He was the Big 12 Offensive Alignment of the Year twice. So that, that says something. That's not just something that they give you for for giggles you know i think with the fact that he watches film over combine stats that they get a steal to put behind hashtag draft josh allen.com <laughs> they drafted at number 12 yeah i like it uh so let's move on to the next pick the rams la's team someone that we are all rooting for and it's an exciting year for them with all of their free agent signings of course really upping their secondary in a big way keep to leave marcus peters re-signing Nikel roby coleman from USC, who we spoke about in a previous podcast. Just a, a lot of great moves from the Rams this year. But that signing of Roby Coleman, I did not think there was any yeah, chance. Yeah, definitely not. Four, and Sam Shields, yeah, too. So definitely Rams aren't going to go secondary for their first pick if they do. Possibly safety, but they gave the franchise tag to Joyner. So I don't think secondary is their pick no. at all. They have a serious need with a linebacker with sending Alec Ogletree away, and I think that's exactly where they go. I think they get Rashawn Evans, linebacker from Alabama, just an absolute beast, another Alabama player. You never go wrong there, to be honest. Deron Payne and him were my two favorite um, players on that defense last year, which was a very, very good defense. Rashawn Evans, 23 to the Rams. I think he's going to be very exciting to watch, and he'll fit in perfectly for Alec Ogletree. What about uh, Corbin? What do you think to the Rams at 23? You said, who was your pick again? Uh, I Evans. had Rashawn Evans. Yeah, yeah, he's filling in pretty much yeah, for Alec Ogletree. Exact same for the exact same reasoning. Cool. And just... Really quickly, though, so my last mock draft, I had them going cornerback, Same. Isaiah Oliver. Just how different it is now. That is the last position. I had, I had that they Joshua need. Jackson. It's by yeah, far the last and that's position. That's the they need. last position they need yeah. any help with. But yeah, Rashawn Evans. And again, they could go if they feel like there's someone who could be a good pass rusher, go there with losing Robert Quinn to the Dolphins, trading him there. It's really just whatever they feel most confident like about. Said, the pass rush yeah, like we said, the pass rush just isn't there. Good. It's a weak class in terms of pass rush. So go with Rashawn Evans out of Alabama, someone who can come in and make a really immediate impact right away. And for 
a fraction of the price that they were paying Alec Ogletree. Totally. Christian, um, who do you have? I, well, going along with that thinking, I have Harold Landry still available in my mock, so I think this is a perfect place that they go to replace Robert Quinn. Okay. He's that background at uh, Boston College. He can come off the edge. He can stop you off the edge on the run, and I think if he's available, in my mind, if he's available, that's who they take. Yeah, I don't even have Landry in my mock draft 2.0. Really? In the first round, I think he's going to be an early, some yeah, he's going to be an early second round <laughs> pick. I just I really like Sam Hubbard more than I like him. It was they're really okay. similar players to okay. me. Um, but yeah, for twenty four to the Panthers in my initial mock draft, I had them going Christian Kirk. I still think they need a receiver. Clearly, I think uh, they get lucky here with Calvin um, Ridley. He doesn't go yet. I think initially I thought he was going to go a lot higher. His combine wasn't amazing, but he's still I think the top receiver in this draft. It fills a need for them, and having you know a D- Funches there, who's a big receiver, this adds a guy next to him, and a, a, adds another weapon for Cam Newton with you know Curtis Samuel and McCaffrey, and now you know with them too, it's going to be definitely a fun offense to watch, and they need some help for receivers. So I think they get a steal with Calvin Ridley at 24. What do you think, Corbin, for the Panthers? I have them going with offensive guard Will Hernandez out of UTEP. So I know you guys had him going a little bit higher. I have him coming in, and again, offensive line, just like in my previous mock draft, I had them going with Orlando Brown. He fell out of my, the first round to me because of his terrible combine performance, and I know that's not everything because he did have some really good film, so if he ended up going very end of the first round, be surprising, but not a shock. Will Hernandez, though, like you guys said, he's someone who really impressed at the combine. He has really good film as far as just his ability to make an impact in both the passing game and the running game while at the same time being able to fill in for Andrew Norwell, who left the Panthers in free agency to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So overall, just a really good fit and definitely makes a lot of sense for the Panthers at pick number 24. So Christian, who do you have the Panthers taking at number 24? So I know that Evans, Rashawn Evans, or not Rashawn Evans, I'm sorry, Calvin Ridley, Alabama boy, is rated higher than Christian Kirk in terms of receivers, but I love the way that Christian Kirk plays in the Panthers' offense. Christian McCaffrey has to take more carries because Jonathan Stewart is not there. He, I understand his body type isn't meant to take starting running back hits, but until they get someone else, I don't see how you're going to use Christian McCaffrey how you did if you're going to put him at running back. So you have Christian Kirk. The Panthers love those college College side, those little token yeah, fast guys. College wide Curtis Samuel is a perfect example from Ohio State. They just went with when they didn't even really need him. They went with him just because they love his upside on the offensive side. They love adding weapons around Cam. So yeah, I see this as a fit play. I also can see. I know we don't do trade backs and stuff, but I can see the Panthers as a team that one hundred percent could trade back from number twenty four yeah. to land a wide receiver in the second round and add another piece. Offensive line, defensive line, wherever they see fit. They can move back to get a Cortland Sutton, even though I, I don't think he'd you know play very well with Funches, two very similar receivers. But then again, Christian Kirk could be available later. You have so many other guys like DJ Chark from you know uh, LSU, who really put his name on the map, having an amazing combine, finishing top five in every single category. Even DJ Moore, who's a player just like Christian Kirk for me, very shifty slot player from Maryland who had an amazing combine also and might have just earned himself a first-round pick. So a lot of receivers that I think are B receivers, and I think there's 
Calvin Ridley might be an A minus receiver, but I think he might just be a B plus. I don't think there might be any A receivers in this draft, in my opinion. Calvin Ridley be the only like A minus player for me. Yeah, and again with him being a slot receiver. There are a bunch of B receivers and B plus. Some of them have pluses for size, some of them have better speed, some of them are more accomplished with statistics, but none of them pop off the page where you know, Calvin Ridley, it was really just the hype of him coming from Alabama and hopefully having him a great combo. That's why he went top 10 for me in the first first mock draft. But the Bears no longer have that need right there. And I really just, he falls so far for me. And I just don't see, I had no receivers taken at this point. I know Corbin's a little more belief in this <laughs> receiving class, clearly. But I'm just not a huge, huge fan. So we'll move on to the next pick, which is the Titans at 25. It's just a serious need at edge. Mike Vrabel, their coach, loves his edge rushers. They don't have anyone that can pressure the quarterback very much right now. The defense is, you know, okay, but their secondary is definitely improving with Malcolm Butler and Dory Jackson, who came uh, played a lot of snaps last year, I think the most out of any rookie on the defensive side. They definitely have a promising secondary, in my opinion, but they need to pressure the quarterback, plain and simple. And I think Sam Hubbard, edge at Ohio State, such a Mike Vrabel guy, Ohio State players you can trust. Sam Hubbard just going to add that pressure to the quarterback that they don't have. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I got Sam Hubbard out of Ohio State in my previous mock draft. I had them going with Marcus Davenport. So it's clear they need pass rushers. That's their biggest weakness on the defensive side of the ball. Their secondary, like you mentioned, it's young, but it's growing, and it showed a lot of promise last year. Their linebacking core is okay, but defensive line is where they need to go here, and Sam Hubbard's the best edge rusher available, so... That's a no-brainer for them. They go with Hubbard. Yeah, he was my he was the exact same pick for me in my one point out to the Titans. He just makes a lot of yeah. sense. Christian, who do you have? I as well have the same. I have Hubbard as well. Wow. They they I'm could bad. increase. I think that they can increase the amount of production out of their defensive backs by adding an edge rusher, limiting the amount of time the quarterback has, and also putting them under pressure will allow that they will allow their defensive backs to cover better and Adoree Jackson is a pretty good cornerback but his he's not very long which does limit him a little bit Malcolm Butler is going to take a lot of pressure off him though true but he's not super lengthy either to help shorter guys a little bit not that being short you can't be a great DB I'm not saying that but to help them increase turning up the pass rush is a 100% direct correlation in helping those type of players cover better right right yeah definitely so Let's move on to the next pick, which is the Atlanta Falcons at number 26. So they lost a few players over the offseason, wide receiver, most notably with Taylor Gabriel. Perry, who do you have for the Falcons taking at pick number 26? Um, They haven't been too active this free agency. They did go uh, a very small deal to Austin Pastor, who probably none of you guys have heard of, O-line, and Brandon Fusco, a three-year 12.75 deal. So even though they did two signings for their offensive line, which needs help, I still have them doing the same pick that I had them in my mock draft 1.0. Isaiah Wynn, I have him staying. He went to Georgia. He stays in the state. I think he's going to be a perfect Falcons boy. I think it's just too perfect of a pick with him going to Georgia and them needing a little bit of uh, garden tackle help still. Definitely depth needed there uh, big time. So the Falcons, I think Isaiah Wynn being able to play the guard and tackle position seamlessly is too appealing. And I'd be surprised, to be honest, if he made it to 26 to the Falcons. But with him, you know, falling all the way here, just with like other, if you'd be surprised, no, I'd be then. surprised just because no, I'm saying it's just the fact that position needs, like you said, it's it's. I didn't okay. think 
he's definitely a player that could have, could have gone a lot higher, but with position needs, I think people are going to look offensive line linemen, you know, in the second and third round. Also, it's a very deep class for offensive linemen, and I think you know Isaiah Wynn at twenty six is a great value pick, and it just makes a lot of sense. I think he gets passed up on by a few teams, and the Falcons take advantage at twenty six. Okay, I had Isaiah Wynn going in my mock draft one but for reasons you talk about with them signing two lower-level offensive linemen, but still people that you can kind of plug in and play. Depth. Yeah, and then also with them losing Taylor Gabriel as a wide receiver. I don't have them going wide receiver here, but they need help with pass catchers. So I have them lost going, on Terry Poe, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have them going with Mike Gusecki out of Penn State. He had an unbelievable combine. That's yeah. my favorite pick so far, guys. Thank you. So, yeah, oh, he, had, he had an unbelievable combine, and his production was there from Penn State, someone who is kind of going under the radar, but he makes a lot of sense for the Falcons and can kind of reinvigorate that offense that two years ago was arguably the most dominant offense in league history, and then last year just fell off a cliff. Obviously, they had different offensive coordinators going from Kyle Shanahan to Steve Sarkeesian, failed USC head coach. So that definitely had something to do with it, but giving Matt Ryan some more weapons to kind of just go back to what he was, MVP Matt Ryan of yeah, two years Yeah, I'm going to throw out some stats from his combine. I actually have to look up Gusecki. This was the, he made my first round mock. He's going to be in a few picks for me, but combine stats, 4.54 second 40, 4.5. Bench press, 22 reps, very good. Vertical jump, 41.5. This dude just yeah, be a basketball ridiculous. player. He's insane. Broad jump, 129 inches. Three cone drill, sub seven, 6.76. 20-yard shuttle, 4.10. 60-yard shuttle, 11.33. Every single one of those numbers is top two for tight ends in the entire class, if not number one. He's by far put his name on the map. He's a converted basketball player, but this looks like the tight end to watch for this uh, for this draft, and I'm excited that Corbin went with his name. I didn't expect <laughs> to hear it from either one of you two. Watch Christian have Mike Gusecki. Oh, Who do you have, Christian? No, I, I don't. I, me, he, no? He's coming, but I have I have Rashad. I, no, Rashad I keep saying Rashad Evans. I'm going to hit myself. <laughs> Cal, Calvin Ridley, also from Alabama. Calvin Ridley why, to, uh, to why, the Falcons? To the Falcons, yes. Uh, Julio Jones, I had him on my fantasy team. He didn't really impress me that much last year. I'm, I'm not saying that he's starting to dip down, but they need a replacement at wide receiver. You need a spark plug. At that position, if, he, in, if for whatever reason in my world, the way that it dealt out, he's still available, you go and get him. He fell. Best player available in my mind at this point, you have to go and get him. Isaiah, I love that you guys love Isaiah Wynn. He needs one to two more years with a professional body, like a professional weightlifting coach to kind of, if he goes tackle, change his body composition to a tackle. If he's going guard, change his body composition to a guard. When I look at him play, it kind of seems like he has a lower body of a tackle and an upper body of a guard. So it's like these kind of lean athletic legs with like a little like tabletopy big top. So it looks kind of funny. And honestly, I kind of used to look like that when I played because like I never wanted to eat healthy enough to like get really, really skinny and like offensive line. So I had a gut. So I think that he. Uh, Isaiah Wynn, I love that you guys love him, but I love him in the second round, not the first round. Yeah. So my pick, Calvin Ridley, get the best player available, get the best wide receiver available, and always go after an Alabama guy. They're 
their coach is pretty good. If I'm drafting an offensive lineman, I think a requirement for me is they have to have a gut. I need to see the stomach just hanging. Nah, no, Tyron Smith, I, that I, man I, is no, no good. I'm just kidding, but I just I love seeing that big belly uh, with the jersey up. I know Christian used to rock that a lot, and uh, <laughs> it's funny. Because yeah. I'm a disgusting human being. Let's move on to uh, 27 <laughs> Saints, where you know Christian's at right now in New Orleans, a team that we're all, we're all very I'm very intrigued with this team, so young and so talented, and with Drew Brees re-signing to that extension. This offense is going to be so scary this year. Mike Kosicki, for me, out of Penn State, tight end. I knew I told you the name was coming up right now. Oh, my God, I love him so much. That might be the, the him and Will Hernandez were the two that really made such big strides for me. Kosicki wouldn't even have been in my top three rounds if I did a full seven-round mock draft. He wouldn't have been top three. He would have probably been a fourth or fifth-round pick for me with how deep this tight end class was. But showing that he separated himself as – Probably the best athlete in this class overall. This dude is. Uh, no, no, well, no. What for tight ends or just? Oh no, for tight ends oh, okay. definitely. So yeah, say, probably say the best or... overall. Definitely, you know, he can jump the highest and run the fastest. hundred percent. Twenty-two with the bench press is very good for a tight end, but his blocking is not what he's known for. It's more of his catching ability and being there on the other end of the ball from a Drew Brees pass. Just having this big body that can jump forty-one inches and just with these giant hands. It's just going to be so impressive just to see, you know, they need a tight end bat. It's just how it is. Cody Fleener wasn't the answer there. And even if he's going to stay on that roster, they need someone to pair up next to him. And I think Mike Kosicki is just such a perfect pick for them at, uh, right here at uh, 27. What do you think, Corbin? For our, and for our Louisiana listeners out there, I'm sad they didn't get Jarvis Landry. That was my, <laughs> my sleeper pick for them. I thought it was going to be him and Michael Thomas on the ends. But, yeah, it's still going to be exciting offense. Mike Kosicki there is going to help out. What do you think, Corbin? <laughs> Yeah, so I had my two picks, the Falcons and the Saints, were just flipped from you. I had the Saints going with Isaiah Wynn. And to me, I don't care if they have a gut or don't have a gut. It's just, can you perform? <laughs> I don't care. I like him but, chubby. <laughs> <laughs> but Isaiah Wynn... I'm sick. Yes. Isaiah Wynn is someone who can definitely develop into a really good offensive lineman for the Saints. Someone who, the Saints, they have a few different positions of need. Tight end, if Gusecki was there, I think that... They could go with him, but with Gasecki gone, this tight end class is one where I don't think there's a ton of great top-end talent. Gasecki, none of us, I think, had a tight end going in our first mock draft in the I, first I round. I had uh, Dallas Godare. Oh, did you? In the, to, okay, uh, but there's it's very deep, so I think that the Saints can, they definitely need to address tight end, but they can do that a little later on. Wide receivers also a position of need. They have Michael Thomas, but other than him, not really anything else. Quarterback, possibly. I know they just re-signed Drew Brees to a two-year deal, but he could maybe walk away after this year. I don't think he will, but no. even two years, you could get someone like a Mason Rudolph or a yeah. Lamar Jackson if he's there to develop under Brees. But I'm going to go offensive line. Brees is, what, 39, 40 years old. Need some help that offensive line, you need to make sure that that's as good as it possibly can be to protect your franchise quarterback. So Isaiah wins the guy that makes the most sense to me. Christian, who do you have going to the Saints 27? I follow Perry again. I go Mike just And I think that they are so smart in not falling for the trap of, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, play tight end for them to sign with the Packers. Jimmy Graham, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm so happy yeah. that they did it. Because that, that would have been that would have been the Saints going back to that old familiar feeling Nothing of Nothing against Jimmy um, Graham. I just think the Saints would be reverting instead of progressing. Yes, no, that's way too much money. I think that Drew Brees 
it, if you're going to build a better team, you sign for too much money. If you if you got Jimmy Graham, that would have been too big of a cap hit for not enough net productivity. You get a guy who is crazy athletic, super young, and tight ends that position where he can get overlooked by the offensive scheme and by the quarterback at his college, but the second you place him with a quarterback who knows how to throw with a tight end, it's like he's going to outperform anything he ever did in college because now he's in a system that can play to those athletic traits, and I think Drew Brees has done it with tight ends in the past. Why wouldn't he do it with a larger, faster, equally strong tight end? It's a home run hit. They save money in tight end. They could put that money elsewhere. And and another fact out about this tight end class, I think we're going to look back a couple years from now, and this is going to be one of the more loaded tight end classes. The dude out of South Carolina is a baller. Yeah. The, the, a couple more guys. One more guy I'm going to mention before this podcast is over. There's a sleeper out of UMass that you guys need to look at tight end. There's a lot of guys at that position that have talent that can make a make a difference on their team. Yeah, no, totally. And so we'll move on to 28 to the Steelers, who is a pick that intrigues me a lot. They definitely have a need at quarterback, and they went out and signed a safety, and I would have thought they maybe would have been looking to help some of their secondary. But I think they go. I think they get really interesting here, and I think they go Lamar Jackson, who's still on – on my wow. board at 28, and I think Big Ben has his clock running out, and I think he's you know one or two more hits away from throwing the towel in. You know, just he's an extremely tough player, but he's not the Big Ben that he used to be, and I think his time is running out, and it's, he's got another year or two left in the tank, and I think La, Lamar Jackson will be an extremely interesting pick for this offense, and I think that's probably my most interesting pick of this one compared to my last mock. Uh, Lamar Jackson for my last mock, I had, you know, I had him going to the Vikings, but of course getting Kirk Cousins and trading for Trevor Simeon, I don't see them going quarterback at all for the first round. So, uh, sorry, actually, no, sorry, that was, uh, I was talking Vikings for a second, my fault. Steelers, I originally had them going with Sean Evans in my mock draft, number one, but they still have linebacker need with Ryan Shazier, most likely not playing this year, but I just don't, I see them just not being able to resist Lamar Jackson, just him being there. That would be a really exciting offense for sure with right. Bell, Brown, and Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Be crazy. But I think Perry, you had a stat on our last mock draft that the Steelers have gone linebacker in the West. It was me. Four. Oh, okay. Sorry, Christian. Don't want to give. Give me my credit, Corbin. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna claim your one stop of the Packers. <laughs> claim my one quote of the whole podcast. I'm Thank sorry. You. My one I'm sorry, quote. Christian. See, now we're diving back into Christian's feelings on Raft, and we know how that's Thank turned you. out before. Thank you. Thank you. It's Corbin's podcast unwrapped. I'm sorry to your therapist too, which you're gonna go complain about this to him or her. You know, she's been she's been double booking a lot lately. I haven't been able to see her, so it's not that funny, Corbin. Sorry. But yeah, the Steelers, I'm going linebacker, Malik Jefferson out of Texas. In my previous mock draft, I had them going with safety, Ronnie Harrison out of Alabama, with news that Ryan Chazier is for sure not playing next year and also the news that we just reported a little while ago, them signing Morgan Burnett, who's a really good safety from the Packers. It doesn't make any sense to go safety now. Go linebacker with Malik Jefferson, who last mock draft, we had, I think, Christian, you and I both had him going 27 to the Saints, and we said if the Saints get him, they should be thrilled and so happy that he fell. Malik Jefferson, he just hasn't shown up on many people's radar. Most mock drafts that I'm looking at, they don't have him going in the first round. He is a phenomenal athlete. 
and someone who you can plug in at middle linebacker and is going to be a tackling machine. And I think for the Steelers, losing Shazier, obviously Malik Jefferson isn't going to have the same impact as Shazier from day one, but he's someone who can be a really valuable linebacker for them moving forward. And then hopefully when Shazier, knock on wood, does return, having them as a one-two punch in their defense at linebacker, that's going to be scary moving forward as well. Excellent. Christian, who do you have going to the Steelers? I said his name three times. I finally mean it. Rashawn Evans. <laughs> I finally think that, I said last podcast, they need to, I, I, you don't bet on Shazier coming back. I hope he does, but you don't gamble on it. You get the linebacker. That was what I said last podcast. I gave you that little stat they've drafted. A linebacker in the first four picks in the last like five years. So that, that makes the most sense. I want to say a little, little something to back up what Perry said about Lamar Jackson. How happy that Mike Tomlin was when he got Mike Vick years and years ago because he loves quarterbacks that play with that style and Mike Vick even personally said uh, over Twitter that he thinks Lamar Jackson is better uh, than he was in college when he was playing so you're going to get in Michael Vick's words a better Michael Vick and with the way that Mike Tomlin asks I don't think it's too far of a stretch that they take Lamar Jackson that's a ton of praise hearing that from Michael Vick I had no idea that he publicly released comments yeah, it was on Twitter. Coming from the best dual quarterback to ever play dual the game of yeah. NFL football, not even a debate. Bring me someone else's name that's better than Michael Vick no, running and passing the ball, no and way. I'll pay you my entire life savings right now. There's no way Michael Vick's crazy, and for him to say that, you know, Lamar Jackson's a Mike Vick 2.0, if not, you know. Yeah, when he was better. in college. He when said he that Lamar Jackson in college. You can only compare Lamar Jackson how old he is right now. So just imagine how good he'll be in five or ten years compared, you know, if he goes Michael Vick's trend. Wow. Michael Vick was the most exciting player for me to watch my entire childhood. So if I have another Michael Vick or somewhat half of Michael <laughs> Vick's excitement, I'm happy again. It's good for football. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to the Jaguars, someone in the team that doesn't need the pick this year, really. They show that they can do it all with free agency, but... Of course, uh, that showed what a great jump. Just a few picks, a few free agent signings can make. The Jaguars show that they're the team that a real turnaround and a win-now thing is possible. There's no more trust the process if you don't want to. You can make enough moves. Like I think what the Browns are doing right now, they're trying to duplicate you know, the crazy, crazy offseason that the Jaguars had last year. And maybe they can top it off with this draft. They have a serious need at linebacker, and that's Malik Jefferson for me, just like you guys said. Crazy athlete. He'll be picked. He's a sleeper pick here for 29 to the Jaguars. I have five players listed here for my pick to the Jaguars because I just couldn't pick. And it ended up being Malik Jefferson was a last-minute addition for me onto that list because I had them picking receiver. I did a little more research. I saw they signed Dante Moncrief. I really like D.D. Westbrook from last year. He showed amazing flashes. I I think them letting Allen Robinson walk showed their confidence in their receiving core, and I don't think they're going to stretch on a receiver at the end of the first round. They definitely have a linebacker needed. Adding to that defense that was so amazing last year, next to uh, next to Jack and next to with Paul Leslie retiring, they have a, a need there now. So adding a younger, you know, more athletic version, having Malik Jefferson be there next to Miles Jack, it's going to be so scary and it's going to be such a great fit. If they do go receiver, it's really a toss up between Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark, and DJ Moore, two names I listed earlier. Really put their name on on the first round just because of their amazing combines. Uh, definitely DJ Chark, a guy that you would, he's tall and he runs fast. That's pretty much it. It's probably going to overshadow more of his unflattering characteristics that he has. But he really showed them with an amazing combine what you can do and get your name out there. But I just think it's too – I don't think they go receiver with Dante Moncrief signing and their belief in their young guys. And they go Malik Jefferson and that defense gets even better. 
Okay. I like what you said about them losing Allen Robinson and that showing their belief in their receiving core. With that being said, though, I'm still going with wide receiver for them. I'm going with DJ Moore out of Maryland, someone that you mentioned. So my previous mock draft, I had them going with Lamar Jackson with the Blake Bortles contract extension. I actually saw in some mock drafts them still taking a quarterback. I just think, I think you probably wait a year or two to take a quarterback. They still... You can't go with Blake Bortles for the foreseeable future. You just I don't understand I don't understand why they gave him that contract extension. I'm not gonna go off on a tangent on that though. DJ Moore is someone who, even with the signing of Dante Moncrief, he's someone who he's a serviceable wide receiver, but really anything above a wide receiver three for him. It's just a fact that um, last year it was clear that now, there's a new number one in town. I'm um, sorry, what's his name? From uh, from USC, well, Marquise Lee. Lee. Clearly, he's their number one receiver. Showed a ton of promise. And D.D. Westbrook next to him, adding Dante Moncrief. And there is other receivers yeah, on the team as I'd well. Still be Al- Alan, Alan Hearns has a yeah. name that we all forgot about as well. So they have depth. I'd still be hesitant. Lee did show promise. I'd still be hesitant to have him as your true number one. And I think D.J. Moore is someone who could potentially develop into a number one option, even if he's your number two and Lee is your number one. It just adds some depth to a he's receiving core. He's a very court. Danny Amendola-like player. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that's my pick for the Jaguars, just helping Bortles, who they gave that ridiculous contract to, suck a little less. Yeah. So, Christian, who do you have going at number 29? <laughs> you love to hate on that man. Yeah, he sucks. Let him be. You <laughs> yeah. idiot. Yeah, he's gonna do his thing. Yes, he's gonna you, throw eighty yards per game. And I feel you. You missed basketball shots at twenty-four hour fitness. We're all not perfect. So, um, the the best wide receiver that is available in my mind is Cortland Sutton. You add more pieces to help out the quarterback that is there. If you want him to do better, you add pieces around him. They've improved the offensive line. Letting Allen Robinson walk, you need to replace some sort of talent at that position. Cortland Sun's the best receiver on the board for me, and that's why I picked him. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. He's definitely an option for the Jags. We'll go 30 to the Vikings. I already mentioned by accident, but they did sign Kirk Cousins, their guy they were going after, letting letting all three of their quarterbacks go and bringing him on and signing for, or sorry, trading for, uh, a backup as well in Trevor Simeon. I don't see them going quarterback at all. They have a serious need for uh, offensive guard and offensive tackle. I see them going for a steal right here. Billy Price hurt his draft stock a little bit with a pectoral injury in the combine when he was repping. I think the Vikings are a very shifty team at 30 at the end, tail end of the first round, are going to swoop him. The Patriots and the Eagles will both have their eye on him as well. I think the Vikings are the first to grab him, and uh, he's very flexible on the offensive line. He can play center. He can play guard. I mean, I believe he even played a couple games at tackle. So he can play really all of it. I think that's probably the most versatile offensive lineman in the, in the draft. Yeah, I really like that pick, actually. And I think... We're talking about a little bit how we aren't doing any trades here, but the Vikings are a team that also could make a little sense. They don't have a ton of holes now that they have their quarterback for at least the next three years and Kirk Cousins, but their offensive line has gaping holes, and that's about it for their team. So with them not trading out, I could definitely see Billy Price, that pectoral muscle. He'll probably be back by the time. Yeah, so... Not too much concern, and I like the 
ability to move him around, shift him around, center, offensive guard, even offensive tackle. But you got to have an offensive. You got to have offensive tackles are the most are the best piece, the most influential piece to protecting your quarterback. And so I'm going to go with Colton. The Miller. most important position in football, Corbin. Yeah. I'll correct you. It's fine. Thank you. <laughs> well, coming from an offensive lineman, I would expect that. So. Who's your your pick? Yeah, I have Colton Miller out of UCLA. So Christian touched upon him and how strong he is. With um, very athletic, he had a great combine. That's the only reason why we're even saying his name. Yeah, yeah, he was on a few mock drafts before the combine for the first round, but crept into mine because he had a really good combine and definitely makes sense for them. I had them going with Shakuma Okorafor from Western Michigan in my first mock draft. He's someone who probably will end up in the second round. I think if the Vikings were to trade back out of the first and pick up an extra pick and be selecting the second. He'd probably make some sense for them there. Christian, who's your pick at number 30? So I go with Perry and I as well go Billy Price. The, the peck thing doesn't scare me. When you hurt one side of your peck, you're gonna, they're going to train this man. Every single part of his body is still going to get worked while he's rehabbing this peck. So I don't see him sliding tech, like uh, in where I thought he was going to be talent-wise next year. I don't see it being that off, uh, not being able to hit or punch and extend until training camp. Um, that is the only, like you said, Corbin, if you're going to pick any position on that team to improve, it would be offensive line. And you have you have Dalvin Cook coming off of a hurt knee. You, I would want, I would feel safer if I had, not that an offensive line can stop the, the randomness of football of Dalvin Cook getting injured, but... It definitely makes more sense that having a, a better offensive lineman would make it a little bit safer for him to at least run through the tackle. So, and keeping one of their best offensive players, even if he's short-lived of last year, get Dalvin Cook, their last year uh, second-round pick, I want to say. What was he for? What was it their second-round pick? Second-round. Um, yeah, second-round pick, who did a, a pretty good job while he was there. Get some more protection for him. Get some more protection for that pretty nice quarterback that 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 dog of a quarterback you just signed gets some more protection for him and it's a slam dunk I'm, I'm happy that not happy that he got hurt but i'm happy that he fell just a little bit into the arms of a team and i think josh rosen had touched on this throughout the year sometimes it it, it kind of helps you out to drop a little bit to a team that you fit much better on than just being drafted 10 slots higher to a uh, to get more money in your first contract i think that he might this might be a silver lining for him honest to god Going to Minnesota for anybody is a good situation right now. They're probably the team most likely to repeat where they were this last season. I don't see the Eagles. um, That was a Cinderella run. I don't even see them making the playoffs this year. If anything, I see them maybe being a wild card team. Wentz is really good. But I see, honestly, I, I'm now I'm a Cowboys fan and I'm a bit biased. But that team, that's heinous. But it's, it's not. That's so heinous, I can't even see it. The Eagles made a Cinderella run and that they, well, I guess, what, with Foles over. Yeah, what do you mean, Cinderella run? That was the biggest Cinderella run since I can remember. They, besides Eli Manning beating the the undefeated Patriots, since then, that's a backup quarterback. They whooped the Patriots. Yeah, they came in. But next year, I think with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, with a full year and, you know, the Cowboys aren't going to miss out again i think the eagles and no matter how i think they'll probably win nine or ten games and still have to be in the wild card but i don't see them cowboys aren't going to miss out again on what yeah the cowboys are going to affect how carson wins plays this is ezekiel ellen was out for six games it shows he he is that doesn't affect carson he's the leader of that team i'm telling you carson wentz is a great player i don't think he's 
Uh, right now, I think they're in a situation with him and Nick Foles right now, and with the beginning of this year. He was the MVP. No, no, no. They have a situation there. I'm not. I didn't, the say, Cowboys I, I didn't are say it was good or bad, but jealous. right now they were saying they don't want to trade away Nick Foles right now because they're not certain the fact that Wentz is going to be coming out the gates perfectly healthy and perfectly okay and that's fine for them because they have a situation there and they can honestly milk Nick Foles right now I think back to the Vikings which I was talking about that's the team that's the I mean that's the team that's poised to return this year they have the best defense in the league if not top three and they're going to continue to improve on it they have a quarterback that wins games and finally is in a good situation. The Vikings are amazing. And the fact that, you know, just like we said, Billy Price is going to get lucky. Silver lining. He's going to end up on a great situation with the Vikings. Um, 31 to the Patriots. I have a surprise pick, Jair Alexander out of Louisville. He wasn't even on my mock draft 1.0. Very, very fast. Jumped very high in the combine. Showed that he's extremely athletic. His tape is good. He is, there's not a lot of corner talent for me. I, beyond Denzel Ward and Joshua Jackson, I'm not high on any corners, so he would be third. That's really just it. And the fact that the Patriots lost Malcolm Butler, they got gaping holes with their secondary. It showed when they benched Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl, Eric Rowe is awful. He's a terrible corner, and they cannot rely on the depth that they have. If they don't go cornerback first round, Patriots, I'll be extremely surprised. Well, then you'd be surprised with my pick. I think I don't think Eric Rose is a bad quarterback. He's, he's, he's just so not, bad. He can't cover for he can't cover for shit. Okay, well, we'll see how it goes this year because I don't think that they're going corner in the first round. I think they address it later on in the draft, but first round, it's the Patriots' biggest need has been for at least the past year, pass rusher. So I'm going edge Arden Key out of LSU. They he just was got my, Adrian Claiborne though. The, still, I mean, I, he isn't the best. Has, I, I didn't say best, but they, unless just, they he, unless literally he's playing just with signed the end. Unless he's playing with Cowboys. With what's his face, Tass Green at right tackle, right? How many sacks did he get? Was it was like six? four or five. Six. Yeah, five six. or something. It was crazy. Six. Yeah, six. And I think he had nine and a half sacks the whole year. So three and a half sacks through the other 15 games. They still need a pass rusher, even with Adrian Claiborne. Arden Key is someone who. He's long. I think he's six four or just under six foot four. So he's someone who can definitely use that length to LSU, his right? advantage. Yeah, out of LSU, he was to the he was my Patriots pick in the first mock draft. Still makes just as much sense now. I I don't see how they don't go with a pass rusher. I think they, here. Didn't he have like character issues? That was a big reason why he, he had some nine in the first. He had round some personal first. issues. Yeah, something around the but lines. Still, Christian, who's your pick for thirty one? <laughs> It's the same as, as you picked and the same as mine uh, last time we did this. It's Arden Key. Yeah. They Thank need you. pass rush. But now that you had, you said this a little bit earlier, uh, Jefferson out of Texas, I could also see that too. They need linebacker help, and that would be a refreshing take for the Patriots to have not, not having to mold someone into their system, but to have someone who's just uber-athletic and has all these intangibles already, and they just need to do a little bit of tweaking on the mental side again to fit their scheme. So, Arden Key, but I could see them taking Jefferson, honest to God. Yeah, Harold Landry is still on my board, so that could even be yeah, interesting. That would, that that, yeah, in Perry's world, yeah, it could be a possibility. If they went with Jefferson at 31, though, Christian, do you think that they try to keep him middle linebacker, or do they try to, just because of how athletic no, he is, do they try to... they have to... some serious need at outside linebacker right now. Who they, they they have, like I think, one or two people in their depth chart, an, right. an outside linebacker, and they're both white, very white. <laughs> 
Something the Patriots love, love, love to do. Get these weirdly named, mediocre, B-minus outside linebackers that are Caucasian. That's what they need to do, and they need to start beasting up is what they need to start doing. Uh, Yeah, they need pass rush, whoever. They can find some uh, cashier at Walmart to do that. would be like the perfect name and person to fit the (laughs) Patriots. Let's just go with that dude mentality. I just think that uh, they could they could get the middle linebacker in later in the draft. Yeah. They could get the pass rush. Like I said about the Coach O stamp of approval, that man is a, a connoisseur of teaching men how to get to the quarterback. So if he gets Coach O's stamp of approval, he gets my stamp of approval. Yeah, so we'll move on to the uh, the Super Bowl champions, the the Eagles. I have, I have the final I'd see that's going back to the playoffs next year. Final back. Yeah, yeah I, I said they were too, but as a wild card team. As a wild card team. <laughs> I did it. It might go back, and if it is, it'd be <laughs> as a wild card might. team. I don't like the team. The team's not that That's good. because you're a Cowboys. So <laughs> they're underdogs. I think, I think the team had an amazing run last year, and they, <laughs> they rode that so underdog tag, and the fact that the Patriots really just – Blew it by benching Malcolm Butler, but it's just I don't see him. No, they rode. They rode their team depth and their ability to. No, they're the to underdogs, and it was players. the fact that you know the Minnesota had the worst defensive game in their entire season against the Eagles, and doesn't matter how many points they scored, their defense deploded. And Nick Foles was like, "All right," they were like, "Nick Foles, we're going to make you pass on us." He was like, "All right, sounds good," and totally did that and just shredded them. It was no one expected Nick Foles to beat the Vikings. It, that was it. It's the fact that the, the Vikings blew their chance by having their worst defensive game and having lackluster coverage and pass rush. They were awful in that game. But moving on just to their pick, they lost Trey Burton's Super Bowl hero for that crazy trick pass that they did. He was their backup tight end behind Ertz, who had, I think he's now the second best tight end in the league. No, he might I, be third behind Kelsey. Gronkowski, Kelsey, then Ertz. But you could definitely have Ertz as a conversation for second right now. He had an amazing year last year, a breakout year. I know he was roommates with Carson Wentz. They have an amaz- They had an amazing chemistry when they were playing together. Carson Wentz, of course, went down. But I have them going Dallas Godert, another huge tight end. He's out of South Dakota State. He's definitely got all the intangibles that you want. He's got the size, the speed, the hands. He's got everything, and putting him next to Zach Ertz would be scary. He'd fill a direct hole for Trey Burton right away. Okay, I have them going with cornerback Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado. Uh, in my previous mock draft, I had them going with linebacker Leighton Vander Esch out of Boise State, and I could still see that happening. They, they're another team that doesn't have many holes, but linebacker is one of the holes that they do have. But cornerback with Isaiah Oliver, I just think when you weigh, they still need some help at the cornerback position, and Isaiah Oliver is someone who... When I looked at him still being available at 32, I was kind of shocked at myself that I didn't have him going earlier, but just not too many cornerbacks and safeties being chosen in this first round. Mike Hughes at UCF is another player that's interesting. Jair Alexander, who I had going to the Pats, and who you just have right now. Those are probably the only three that are even intriguing to me beyond Joshua Jackson and Denzel Ward. This cornerback class isn't crazy top-heavy. They're a bunch of B guys, and I really like, like that pick that you just made. Yeah, my my pick is actually the name you just said, Jerry Alexander. They Jair. they need cor- yeah they need cornerback help. I don't think I think they need more cornerback. They do a tight end. Uh, if they pick uh, Dallas um, Dallas go go whatever he says his last name was. This is the rich get richer that position. He played I want to say six different positions at South Dakota State. He played like fullback, tight end, slot, 
outside. He played every single position, inline tight end. He did. He he's done it all. So if they if they do what you did, Perry, I would be super happy. But I think uh, Alexander is someone that has risen up boards recently, and uh, I think I want to say is Mike Mayock was talking about him uh, a couple days ago, and he said that he's a guy that could uh, with a with. If he had better coaching, you could have seen him as the number one cornerback in this class. So I like guys like that who, if they just have, if they have a story like that, you know, they have the the, the intangibles, but they need a better coach. That is uh, the type of guy that I take at the end of the first round. Totally, Jair Alexander had really really good numbers, and it was a name that popped into my late just because of his combine. So definitely shows how much the combine can help. It shows how much the combine can affect our mock drafts. Look how different our mock draft 2.0. Yeah. Is compared to 1.0. If you haven't, oh, my listened, man, free agency. yeah, free agency too. If you haven't listened to our mock draft 1.0, we'll we'll uh, we'll post the link to that. We'll show you guys. Here's mock draft one. Uh, listen to our new mock drafts, of course. So it was interesting to take a look back then. But right now, this is a lot more accurate with all the crazy free agency going on. Of course, it's still going on, which is why we tried to stay away from it as much as possible. With you know, we I think we did we did a pretty good job dropping a bunch of signings and still. Mm-hmm adding a lot of the craziness that's happened within our mock draft, but we didn't spend as much time, you know, dissecting each and every one of these signings, yeah. and especially we'll the smaller we'll ones. We'll do that on the next one. We'll podcast. do that on the next one, so we have a lot more to go, but thank you guys so much for tuning into this pod. It's strictly dedicated to our mock drafts. So much has changed, and I loved your guys' mock drafts. I hope you guys loved mine. I, we spent a lot of time on each one of these. Hopefully, uh, maybe at some point, you guys up to put these out so that uh, maybe our readers can, or our listeners can read these, maybe. Yeah. I know I'm interested. I always go online and read them myself and yeah, stuff like that. So maybe we can do some screenshots for you guys. Maybe we can even uh, put out a poll, see who, who has the most, who you guys think is the mock draft that might happen the most, the most accurate, maybe. Who knows? But I had an amazing time today, guys. Thank you guys so much for, for doing this mock with me. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. So thank you guys all so much for listening to NFL Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NFL. Remember to follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. Also remember to turn on our notifications so that anytime we do tweet, you guys are notified right away. Especially right now. They've yeah. been going on. Turn and them on. Like we mentioned earlier, we're kind of, all of us are up at some point in the day. There's no point where all three of us are sleeping. So one of us is always on Twitter whenever anything does happen. Sometimes we do beat the bigger names like Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport to the stories. And when we do, it's exciting it's that exciting. we're able to beat them. But it's also good for you guys because you guys get all the information that you need from one source instead of having to follow a ton of different other sources. So, yeah, follow us on Twitter. Again, yeah. that's at NFL Unwrapped. You can also follow our NBA podcast. Go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. Perry on Twitter at Perry Aston. Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. Also remember that you can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud and subscribe to our podcast on the Apple iTunes podcast app. And while you are subscribing to our podcast on the Apple SoundCloud, please rate, Apple iTunes please podcast, rate, guys. Yes. We please really rate. appreciate you. We, we really appreciate we you. Enjoy, we enjoy the feedback. Yeah, so please go ahead and take a minute out of your day and do that. And from all of us at NFL Unwrapped, thank you again so much for listening. Christian, any final words? I just hope you guys engage with us on Twitter, man. Uh, the, the diehard fans that we talk to every single day, uh, as we grow, you know, we're going to do some, some giveaways, some shout-outs, stuff like that. So for the people who really stay engaged with us, you know, keep showing us the love, and when we get the opportunity, we're going to show it back.
Yes, definitely. So thanks for being part of the family, guys. Yeah, that'll do yes, it for this you. episode of NFL Unwrapped. We all hope you guys tune in again next time when we will be talking about all the free agency stuff that has happened so far and if we think that teams made good decisions or bad decisions. So until then, take care, and we will talk to you guys soon.